Hello there. Welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. This is episode 44. Uh, he's Renfrey Deadman. Hello. How you doing, mate? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. You're all right. You've just been cooped up in a big metal thing, haven't you? Yes. I, I, it's, it's, it usually takes around about an hour for me to get to Steve's house. And because of uh, traffic on the Blackwell Tunnel, it's taken me two hours. So I'm in a wee bit of a mood, but I'll be fine in so, the moment. Don't if you are listening to this and you're on your way to the Blackwall Tunnel, <laughs> steady. All right, there's delays I no mean... matter when you're listening to this. <laughs> to be honest, to be honest, knowing the Blackwall Tunnel as I know it, uh, whenever you are listening to this, I'm sure, I'm sure there are delays on the Blackwall Tunnel. Be, yeah, and Steve, there always are. Steve's conveniently moved next to the Blackwall Tunnel, more yeah. or less. You are like, well, I don't want to give really away close. where you live, <laughs> but I live in, I live in between. The centre of Greenwich and like the O2, yeah, basically. Yeah. Slap bang in the middle. You could probably throw so a stone. So the Cutty Sark and uh, getting to see Westlife <laughs> with the sort of two things that I most was interested in when I moved into my new flat. Um, I reckon. Hence, if, this is the place. If you if you chucked a stone from the roof, you could probably hit the Blackwell Tunnel. Yeah, more or less. You probably like, could. Pretty, yeah. pretty I thought you were going to say a member of Westlife then. Well, maybe. Like, oh, you might try know. that later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Stephen here, by the way. Well, they're always. Um, oh, sorry, yeah, they're yeah, always was, sitting down, so they're an easy target, aren't they? Yeah, they, are, hey. yeah, they don't move around too much. Boy band jokes, um, rare on this podcast, <laughs> but not this week because we're going to be talking about slam dunk later on. And, uh, <laughs> uh, on this week's show, we will be talking about slam dunk, which we both attended uh, at the weekend. We're also going to be reviewing new music from Cave In, Royal Republic, Cursed Earth. And her name is Kala. And also, uh, we should give a shout out as we do every week to our good friends at Musicism. Uh, if you go over to musicism.net, they provide you, the budding musician, with all the courses to improve your skills as said musician. Guitarist, vocalist, producer, um, bongo player. It's just a load of videos <laughs> of, uh, of Andy Kaufman, to be honest. But um, <laughs> fine. But it's only $9.99 a month. And if you go to the code... The code. Go to you the go code. to the checkout when you're doing that. <laughs> you put the code right in capital letters in the checkout. You get 25% off, which represents fine value. Fine value indeed. Very, very good yeah. value. Uh, also, go over to our Patreon page. Um, actually, I might just say riotactpodcast.com is our website. Maybe they'll, someone will... Maybe we'll get our website. We'll get updated one day if we keep, <laughs> keep plugging the website. And um, it, it's being uh, meddled with at the moment, is which it? is which is why it's sort of in a state of uh, non updatable. Yeah, non updatable. Yeah, yeah. I did notice that. It's 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 it, it'll, it'll it'll happen. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, yeah. So um, over there, you can go to our merch page where you can buy a load of Riot Act branded stuff from I hats saw some. to mugs to drawstring bags to t-shirts to the, the nice t-shirts yeah i saw some uh at um slam dunk did you and, i didn't uh, oh well you were busy rushing off to see bands well, I, <laughs> as well yeah what a weirdo at a festival <laughs> Well, slam dunk is a bit strange. Oy! Um But uh, yes, um, no, yeah, I saw a few people wearing Riot Act stuff and that was cool because we haven't seen it yet. So no, 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 no I haven't like, actually seen it in the flesh. That yeah, stuff. oh, that's what it looks like. It looks yeah. very nice. It's very good. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, um, you can buy that if you want. No pressure. You know, hopefully you've got it in your colour. Um, and also uh, there's a link to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast. Just had uh, a Rioters review on Uncle go up. Um, and uh, that was last week. 
actually. Yeah, I think so. And yeah. then we'll have Caius. We'll have Caius soon. And yeah. to continue the um, deserty vibes, me and Renfrey have just decided off mic before we started that the next writer's re- review that we're going to do is on Bubblegum by Mark Lanigan. Mm-hmm. We've banged on about Mark Lanigan. Quite a, we, we talk about Mark Lanigan quite a lot, don't we? We do, yeah. 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 So we're going to do a full um, look into his best album. Don't, no spoilers, but best album for me anyway. Yeah, there'll be, there'll, there'll <laughs> yeah, be a yeah. minor disagreement about okay, that, but it won't fine. be massive. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, but do go and find us on Facebook. Um, go do rightact underscore, at rightact underscore podcast on Twitter. We've been much more active on Twitter recently. Yeah. I noticed. Is uh, that you? That's me. Well um, done. That's Not all right. <laughs> um, there's been lots of stuff going on behind the scenes, and I know that's really annoying when you say that sort of stuff and then you don't actually talk about it. Um, but uh, we've neglected a few bits and pieces like, you know, social media and stuff like that um so we're just uh trying it's to not the end of the world is it it's not the end of the world but we're just Social trying to get media. better at that it's just a minor apology for yeah. all you know just being a bit rubbish for a month or so but we are uh getting back on it and it's gonna be great <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um speaking of uh, the other last thing as well we actually did a, a festival preview show which went up last week where we mm. previewed all of the festivals that are relevant to this podcast in the united kingdom um should as a kind of tack on to that should note that today as we record very like out, only hours ago um bring me the horizon and baby metal have both now been added to the glastonbury lineup playing the other stage back to back baby metal it's actually slaves oh, back back, baby yeah. metal bring me the horizon oh. on that day so Ooh. that's different isn't yeah. it? <laughs> uh, okay. what do you reckon about that River? baby metal at glastonbury they become the first k-pop band ever to play glastonbury surely yeah well um, they are that's a fact okay uh thank you <laughs> that's all right don't worry um what do I think of it? I, I, I think that's cool. Um, the other stage, is the other stage the, like, the second stage? Mm-hmm. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, yeah. <laughs> neither of those three bands I'm particularly into, I have to say, but it does right. show that, like, guitar music is uh, coming back in some sense or other, I suppose. I guess Although, so. I mean, there seems to be more heavier guitars at Glastonbury since the earache stage. Well, since Metallica. Let's, uh, give, let's give Metallica a bit of yeah, credit for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Metallica really, people went, oh, why are they playing? And most people with a sort of, uh, you know, brain. a brain went, well, why why shouldn't they be playing? Yeah. Why shouldn't metal be at Glastonbury? I thought that this was everyone, for every man for everything. I thought it was about music for everyone. I feel and like ever they, since that's happened, it's like, well, no, yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. I feel like they proved a lot of people wrong as well. You know, like I, I mean, I wasn't there. I watched it on telly, and it yeah, was, so did I. And, and I thought they were all right. I thought they were good. I thought they did a very smart set. Yeah, that, for that's one way of putting it. Yeah, um, a very smart set. And but but it didn't feel it didn't feel watered down. I mean, they still no, no, did. No. I'm sure they did like creeping. They opened death. with creeping death. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's that's not watered. Down. It's not like they did like no. Hero of the Day and <laughs> which would have been fine. I think actually. they did. I mean, I think they did do um, Low Man's lyric for two hours. Imagine. You know, they they definitely tailored it towards yeah. you know slipping in a lot of the big ones sort of. If there was a couple that people hadn't heard, they slipped in a, a big yeah, one yeah. 
It was um, a very. It was actually it. very smart. But it was a cool. Yeah, but what that's got to do with baby metal, I don't know. But basically, baby metal are playing Glastonbury, and that will be very, very interesting. And I think we'll, we'll see where baby metal are. Won't yeah, we, in the real you, world. You very fortunately went out to Japan to see. Them. I did. I still. I was the first ever United Kingdom-based journalist to see them in their home country. Oh, you won't stop going on about well, it. I will stop. <laughs> I will stop going on about it. I think that's the first time I've ever said this on that podcast. So the idea that every privately, time I, listeners, he goes on on and on about it oh privately i do yeah yeah <laughs> privately i do um but yeah but i was yeah i saw him in, a, in an arena which um they sold out two nights in a quicker time than it took one direction to sell out wow uh one night wow yeah. wow um did you see the wembley arena show as well i did um so that was a massively truncated version i'm i'm it was a different show. Right. Well, the, the show that I saw was on the first album cycle, getting ready to go into the second album. The, uh, the Wembley, Wembley show, show was like the day after the second was, album came out. Yeah, so it was. I think it was the week of the album. Yeah, yeah well, it must it might I have been because it was a Saturday night, wasn't it? Yeah, so it, it might was, have been yeah. the day after the album, the second album came out. So um, yeah, I, I which I was mean, April the second because they do that whole Fox. God, right? Thing. Okay, yeah. Fox Day. You seem to suddenly know a lot more about. Them I know, than, I don't, than a I man don't. who likes Mogwai should remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I don't, I don't mind Baby Metal. Of those three bands, Slaves, Bring Me the Horizon, and Baby Metal, Baby Metal are probably my favourite. I think. Um, <laughs> I mean, Slaves are bum hole. Uh, I slaves don't like sl- uh, crap. Yeah. Um, but Bring Bring Me the Horizon. Are far better than baby metal, surely. Um, baby metal are very interesting. I, I still, yeah, I, I, I don't even know because I've always been very on the fence with baby metal. Like yeah. I've, I'm not angered by it, mm. and I think it's definitely interesting. And I was certainly, it took me by surprise, and I was massively intrigued by it all. But I never think about them or listen to them now. I think the joke has started to the joke, the gimmick, the whatever you mm, want to call mm, it, mm, has started to the gimme chocolate. Yeah, wear a bit yeah. thin. But even like I don't even want to make out like it's just one of the band that talk about chocolate. They've you know, they're they're not a they're not a bad act. I just don't know. Do you it's know what really... I think I mean? Because I, I think I do prefer Bring Me as a band. Mm. As a live act, I'm far more interested in baby, baby metal, metal than Bring yeah. Me. To yeah. be honest, because yeah, okay, bring fine. me, you're getting a show which is sixty percent not live, and uh, baby metal's only forty percent. <laughs> cool. Um, so yeah, anyway, that's a good point. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, but so they've been added to the Glastonbury lineup. Um, so's Basil Brush. No way. Yeah, still rather that than Janet Jackson, wouldn't you? Oh, boom, boom. I'd rather was that Janet Jackson impression. <laughs> I'd rather um, Janet Jackson boom boom. Um, I'd rather uh, watch Basil Brush than most of the bands on the bill. I think yeah, I'd like to see Basil Brush. Is it like he's, he's, doing he's aged really well as well? He's aged amazing. He hasn't aged yeah. at all. Fact, he's foxy, isn't he? Yeah, oh, I oh. fucking hate myself. Um, I'm he... not that keen on you. Either, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, speaking of Wembley Arena, which we kind of were a minute ago, you didn't get to go and see Alice in Chains at the weekend, no. and I and I did. Mm. Um, first of all, I just want to say one of the oddest support bookings I'd seen for a while. Black Rebel, Black Rebel Motorcycle, Motorcycle Club. Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, who are not a bad band, but I did think this is not the sort of band that you think of when you think of yeah. grunge. Yeah, you don't think definitely. of kind of you know slacker uh, indie, you know mid noughties indie um, kind of shoegaze. Mm. 
rock. I with, thought it was a bit weird. With kind of 90s played grunge. Mm. But actually, um, those two things coalesce quite brilliantly, really, because if there is one band who are more traditionally rock and roll um, from the Seattle scene, it's probably Alice in Chains. And if there is one band who willfully and gleefully like to make a lot of noise, it's Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Yep. So I actually thought Black Rebel Motorcycle Club worked rather well. Cool. It didn't sound great, mm-hmm. which we'll come to in more detail very, very shortly. Oh. But then support bands rarely do. But considering... Especially at Wembley, let's Especially at Wembley. But by the time they left with uh, Sharing Your Love Like a Demon, that was uh, really good. So I actually... Didn't mind Black Room Motorcycle Club. I thought it was sort of against all the odds. Cool. Quite a good booking. Um, I've seen Alice in Chains six times since ah. they have reformed with William Duval. I never mm. sadly got to see them with the late, great mm. Lane Staley, which is obviously uh, a very um, upsetting thing for me because mm. he's one of the greatest vocalists in the history of music. Full stop, I think. When, when would they have last come to the UK? I believe Lane? they... 94? Yeah, I believe they played... Um, I don't think they even toured the second, uh, the self-titled album. No, no with, they hardly did. With with Lane in the UK. So that came out in 95. From what I recall, they did a um, support slot with Kiss, of all people, in mm-hmm. the US. So there are a few... Yeah bootlegs of they, those they played yeah they did, they did they did some shows with Kiss in the US in 1996 I think they were the yeah. last kind of live shows they did with Lane and funnily enough they actually were added to the bill because Stone Temple Pilots pulled out due to Scott Wayland having drug problems um, oh, what irony. a great band to replace <laughs> band yeah, 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 oh yeah, you're yeah. too unreliable because of the drug thing let's get Alice and it's like fucking how many drugs did Scott Whalen do at that time <laughs> to be replaced yeah, with wow. Lane Staley that is fucking insane anyway maybe you just hit it um, Sorry? Maybe he just hit it better. I don't know. I don't think he did, Renfrey. Have no, you seen those right. pictures of, have you watched the MDV Unplugged yeah, set? Yeah, all right, yeah. fair enough, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, uh, but anyway, Alice in Chains are a band who I've seen six times, or this was the sixth time. Um, every single time I've seen them, they have been fucking outrageously brilliant. Yep, I would I say love... they've been excellent every time I've seen them yeah, too. they have um, always sounded great. Um, and they have always uh, transcended the uh, arena in which they're playing. Particularly, I have to say, seeing them last year at the Shepherd's Bush Empire. Mm-hmm. Yep, I was there. They were incredible. Yep, they were fantastic. A small venue, 2,000, like one and a half thousand capacity venue. Those songs, mm-hmm. fucking amazing. Right? I'm sensing a butt coming. So, well, Saturday was the first time I've seen Alice in Chains and not just been not blown away, been very very unimpressed by the whole shebang and the only people who need to take the blame for this essentially is whoever was doing the sound because when they first came out um i didn't even i couldn't even work out what song they were playing at first you're kidding it was i was like what is this um and what then was it bleed the freak mm. and then um then they came out and, and then, they, then they started that that riff to check my brain came in. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm like, I know this now. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about Alice in Chains is those sludgy, heavy guitar parts with the dual melodies and dual vocals of those two, what, what used to be Lane Staley, Alex, Alex, uh, Jerry Cantrell, and is now Jerry Cantrell and William mm-hmm. Duval. That is the thing. That yin and yang those two things working in tandem, those two yes. things pushing, those two things fighting for space is the thing 
that makes those songs work. That is it's, the thing that makes Alice in Chains a great band. It's certainly the thing that is unique to Alice in Definitely. Chains, which no other band do as well as them, I don't think. No. Um, and those vocals bounced around that arena, which didn't sell brilliantly. Like, you know, they'd kind of curtained it off. Like, I think the last oh, sort really? of row of seats had been curtained off. So it, was, it wasn't It was quiet. You know, it wasn't... I think there was more... I mean, a lot of people were going... We're talking about that Perfect Circle show and saying, well, there's definitely a lot more people here than there were for that Perfect Circle show back okay. in December. So yeah. it wasn't, you know, poorly sold, but it wasn't sold out either. I thought the crowd were really flat. Um, I don't know if they deserve too much of a kind of... Um, ticking off for that because ultimately what you get with Alice in Chains and why Alice in Chains is so great live is because they have those songs it's yeah. not because they jump around or they put on a good show I mean to give you some sort of idea they brought the same show to Wembley Arena as they brought to Shepherd's Bush Empire so if that can translate they didn't bring a big show to Shepherd's Bush Arena they just had I, a couple I, of screens I, I don't really remember what they brought a couple yeah. of screens behind yeah. them and a, maybe a some lights light, or some a few lights so I mean, to be fair, I'm not sure, you know, I wouldn't want to see Alice in Chains bring like mm. razzmatazz, mm. <laughs> you know, uh, while no, they play neither. dirt, you know. You so. know, I don't need the Smashing Pumpkins show that we no, saw. Yeah, but yeah, all I'm yeah. saying is when you go to an arena yeah. to see a band yeah. Yeah. and you don't get a show, the music has to, it means the music has got to thrive on its own. And they're not yeah. the most visually engaging band no, without any show at all. Not, Do you know like, what I mean? It is like heads down and play. As to... You know, we, you won't find two bigger fans of Alice in Chains, I don't not think, on many, you know, in many other places. So, mm. like, we're not saying that as a... No, 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 no. It doesn't matter when their songs are great. Yeah, but when yeah. their songs don't sound great, that's when it starts mm. to matter. And it was kind of clear from the restlessness in the audience that uh, people didn't really look... There was not much of a vibe in Wembley Arena, and I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not even blaming Alice in Chains for any of this, really, no. because they just did their show. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they were hampered by. They should not have been playing Wembley Arena. Mm. Not as in they're not big enough, and it was too big for them. Their music's just not suited to it. They, funnily enough, they work outdoors on big festival stages. They, they do. actually work outdoors yeah. in daylight. Yeah, they, those them. songs work. If you get a good sound, I saw they can work. Oh, they're amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, amazing they were brilliant and also you know you add in a, a couple of the songs from rainier fog uh along with a few songs from devil put the dinosaurs here and those albums are not of the same quality i don't think they're bad records they're just not of the no. same quality of dirt and um you know do you remember how many Black songs they played from rainier fog only roughly? a couple i think really not many, okay. two or three yeah um and That's yeah interesting that they don't f f put more songs i mean that's the record they're touring and it's only sort of a couple of songs. I think they know mm. where their bread is buttered, mm. mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, anyway, I was very, you know, I don't, I, I would never go in hard on Alice in Chains because I think they're fucking brilliant. They're one yeah. of the best bands of my lifetime, full mm -hmm. stop. Yep. But I feel like let that be a lesson. To, there, there are some great venues. In, what's a shame is there are some great venues in this country. There are some great venues. There are some great spaces for bands to play. Wembley Arena is not one of them. No. And if you're a band who thrive on intimacy and nuance and you have two very different strands of your music that need to be balanced just so on a seesaw to, you know, to get things just right. Mm. One couple of little things in a, in a venue that doesn't really care about how you actually sound mm. is going to 
it's going to fuck you completely. And when you don't have, you know, pyro and fire bombs and other things to kind of like distract mm-hmm. from it, and, and neither should you when you're Alice in Chains because mm-hmm. your back catalogue speaks for itself, frankly. Um, it's it's quite telling. I mean, and Alice in Chains at the Royal Albert Hall could have, would have been fucking unbelievable. God, yeah, I would have loved to Do see Do you know what I mean? I'd love to see that, yeah. Or, Imagine or that. two nights at Brixton, maybe. Two nights. I mean, Brixton doesn't always have the best sound. No, and true. Doesn't have great sound. But two nights at Brixton, or yeah, like or I Hammersmith say, Apollo. Yeah, Hammersmith. Hammersmith. If they did two nights, one at Hammersmith Apollo, um, which has usually got pretty good sound. One at Hammersmith Apollo and one at the Royal Albert Hall. Oh, I God, think yeah. you'd be coming out of there talking about a very, very, very different experience. I would. I would go crazy for a show at the Royal Albert Hall. Uh, no, I would love more bands to play the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah, Apple. yeah, yeah. Never bad sounds. Always a mate, like not a single bad seat in the house, even mm-hmm. if you go right up to the cheap seats. Um, and they have a seating plan, which does like the, the cheap seats are actually about half the price. Yeah, yeah. Of, you know, so it does actually reflect the fact mm. that you're further away and stuff like that. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and it is about half the size of... Wembley but then if you it only is, sell it is exactly half the size yeah of but then if you only sell 8,000 tickets in a 10,000 capacity venue then you might yeah. as well just I don't know play another day somewhere else yeah Probably I think some nights. bands so like a lot of people whenever Mastodon come to London they always do Brixton Academy and have done since the Hunter I believe yeah um and uh you know I kind of get the feeling that they probably could Go, like go up to Ali Pali or something like that, but I love the fact that they don't because they kind of know that's where they are going to work best. Yeah, um, and I think sometimes Pixies are quite good for it as well. Like Pixies will do several days mm. at a Brixton venue or a Hammersmith Round venue House. or Roundhouse instead of an arena. And and the thought of seeing Pixies in an arena doesn't appeal to me at all. I have to say, no, me neither. And uh, I was actually quite gutted that I couldn't go, but after hearing that, I'm, it does make sense. I mean, it, I wasn't super excited by the prospect of seeing them at Wembley Arena, I have to say. And so. also, you've got to think about, with all due respect to those people, the type of people that you're... You, you sell 8,000, 9,000 tickets to, you know, the biggest UK headline show Alice in Chains have done. Mm-hmm. You sell 9,000 tickets to people who, you know only want to hear man in the box only want to hear them bones only want yeah. to hear rooster it doesn't make For the, a very good atmosphere. the atmosphere better mm. like it just makes it quite bitty and broken up and it makes yeah. a sort of a weird atmosphere and that is what essentially what we got if you've got five thousand diehard Alice and chains fans in the, at the royal albert hall it could have been fucking spectacular yeah that would be spectacular yeah, yeah. so anyway Food for thought for you bands. Um, we're going to do... Uh, like they'll pay attention to us. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Um, uh, also, so right, um, we're going to start, we're going to do some reviews. Oh, just quickly, actually, I was going to say what I'm doing this weekend. I'm going to see Bring Me Horizon, actually, on, on Friday. Um, I'm going to be DJing. If you're in Blackpool, I'm actually DJing the Hang Tight Festival which is happening this weekend on a Saturday night. Going to be doing a full-blown after-party, playing tunes all night. I believe Shapes are headlining. So, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Which but, we're very excited about. Yeah, I'm not gonna massively. Be there. Yeah, well, yeah, Renfrey can't go. You're going to see Alexis on fire. I'm going to see Alexis on fire. Yeah. And yes, let's just leave it there. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, yeah, so you're going to go see Alexis on fire, but I'm going to be in Blackpool. It's the, the Hang Tight Festival. Um, it should be fun. 
will if you're you, around, will you play any Carly Rae Jepsen? Probably. Will you play any Wombles? No. Okay. Now your audience, Renfrew. <laughs> now your audience. Uh, anyway, if you're around, Japs, uh, come and say hello and let's have a beer in it. Um, anyway, uh, let's do some reviews. So our first review this week is from a band called Her Name Is Kala. The album is called Animal Choir. It's the fifth bass album from the Midland Stroke Northern based band. Leicester. Leicester. Yeah, yeah I heard Leicester Leeds. Yeah, I, I think I, I think they originated in Leicester and they've kind of moved around a bit. I mean, they've split up, so yeah, doesn't really matter yeah. where they're from now. They're not from anywhere. They've Did you say up. the fifth record? I is think it's the their fourth full. Oh, okay. Fourth there's 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 like a soundtrack record that okay. they did as well. So yeah, it's technically mm. their fourth. So Renfrey, um, this week on the show mm. we've got the return of Cavin after eight years, one of our collectively favourite bands. Um, we've got. An album by Royal Republic and what could be their breakthrough album with them playing Download Festival this year. Uh, we've got one of the most hyped up hardcore bands of the last few years coming back with an EP with lots of big name guests on it in uh, in Cursed Earth. So why are we starting the week speaking about a band who are kind of fairly unknown and have already played their final gig as a band they have in london and they're london. probably i think the day this goes out they'll be driving to their final gig in uh, they're playing dunk festival okay um because... and yet here we are sticking them right at the top of the show well so i i talked about their last show in london uh, a few weeks ago and sort of hinted that you know this album's coming and uh i thought it was something very very special indeed um I think my love for it has just grown since then, especially since seeing some of the songs live. Mm. Uh, and I've asked for it to be stuck at the top of the show in the hope that you agree with me. Well, here's the thing. Before I'd seen you ask that, I had already decided that it was going to go at the top of the show anyway. Uh, because you're going to give it a drubbing? Or? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really pleased. Good. Amazing. So... Here's why I think it's at the top of the show, and you can chime in if you'd like to yeah, yeah. like to agree or disagree with me. Okay, we we get a lot of albums, right? We get sent a lot of albums, we listen to a lot of albums, we make a point of trying to find new music, old music, just music whenever and wherever we can possibly get our hands on it. In this kind of thing that we do, it's not unusual to come across a good album. Uh, it's slightly rarer but not impossible and, you know, fairly regular that you'll come across a very, very good album. But occasionally you come across an album which is genuinely gen a piece of genius where you go, every single person listening to this mm. should drop ex everything they're doing right now and give themselves make time in their calendar, two hours, three hours to listen to this album a couple of times and then come back to it and come back to it and come back to it until you realise what a fucking masterpiece this is. Um, I'm nodding extensively. I'm you waving are. My you arms are nodding. Around You're like, an like a weirdo. <laughs> I've written down... Um, yeah, I've written down Jeff Buckley, Godspeed mm -hmm. Your Black Emperor, mm -hmm. Mogwai, mm -hmm. Radiohead, yeah. Brand New... Yep. Talk Talk. Yep. Um, Cult of Luna. Yes. Um, they're all bands that touch on 
that this is this band sort of touch on. I have to I, say, Renfrey, if God should be your back emperor released this album, I think people would lose their mind for it. I actually think if brand if imagine if brand new came back and this was their latest album, can mm-hmm. you imagine how I think people frothy would go people would go? I'm going to go one better than well, that. Radiohead. Yep. If Radiohead released this album, people would go fucking insane. They would. Um, Radiohead inevitably will probably come up quite a bit. Yep. Um, and it has done for their entire career, to be honest. There's there's always been like a... There's a sort of melancholy to Her Name Is Colour, which recalls Radiohead. There's an experiment, experimental kind of streak to it. Mm-hmm. I think um, Tom's voice is quite reminiscent of Tom York's. Yep. The vocalist is called Tom. Uh, you know, yeah. there are a lot of like whether they're... Um, uh, Obvious, compa- obvious comparisons yeah. or, or accidents or whatever. And, you know, they're clearly Radiohead fans. I know they're Radiohead fans because I've mm-hmm. spoken to Tom about it. Um, but the amount of kind of tricks that they pull off and the amount of um, areas that they go into that you don't expect, the fact that they're recalling one of the best bands to ever do it, you know. And I think, I think... Whether you like Radiohead or not, and I do understand that not everyone likes Radiohead, but I think everyone can at least appreciate that there's something special about Radiohead, surely. Yeah, well... You'd hope so. I mean, you are preaching to the choir for me, obviously, but yeah, Um, I would think. But there's a lot of... I mean, well, let's... I mean, as, as we've started talking about that, let's go straight to track three, which is Kaleidoscoping. Yeah, which is such a beautiful. It's I would go as far to say it's one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard recorded ever. Um, I think it starts with this very subtle piano and Tom's vocal over the top of it, and then just grows and grows and grows into something that kind of recalls. Radiohead's piano balladry at its best. I'm thinking Bloom from King of Limbs mm-hmm. or even Motion Picture Soundtrack. Is it Motion Picture Soundtrack? Off of Kid A, the last song on Kid yeah. A. Um, and, you know, it's joined by all sorts of weird instruments. Like, th- I'm sure there's a theremin in there. There's all kinds of... I mean, I thought it was basically... It feels like this is a... A thirty-piece band. At some yeah, point, yeah, it? yeah. And um, at, at the moment, they're a quartet. Uh, they have been a quintet at points, I believe. I'm sure I've seen them as a five-piece once. But um, you know, and I think I mentioned at the gig. There's a there's a few times where, like, you know, Adam, the drummer, was uh, playing banjo and drums at the same time at one point. You know, so they are actually quite dexterous. At, uh, you know, and you, mm. it's a little bit Trail of Dead in that you do. Yeah, that's another band I thought of. Yeah, lot, you know? there's a shitload of instruments set up, and then there's just four of them, but they're all just kind of like, you know, going in between them all the time. Or there's different tunings with guitars and stuff. It's just this wonderful 15 track, 78 minute journey. It's not. It's not short. It's not short. It doesn't feel long though, does it? No, it doesn't. I couldn't believe the first time I listened to it. I did look at it and go, wow, 68 minutes or whatever. 78. 78 minutes. That's a long, that's a long record. Mm. And then it stopped and I was like, Uh I'm assuming that this is just a long passage of silence because again, (laughs) we spoke about, you know, the, the 
the way that Mark Hockey and Talk Talk um, Hollis Hollis <laughs> I don't know why he's a hockey Mark Hollis from Talk Talk um, uh, used silence mm. and we spoke about it with Sun quite a lot yes. recently as well didn't we and there there are parts on this which you know that really really do I mean you know picking up on you talking about um, kaleidoscoping uh, you say it builds. What's amazing about that song as well is that I hate fade outs. Right. But that song doesn't, it kind of feels like it does fade out, but it doesn't fade out. It just fizzles out. It settles mm. down. Mm-hmm. And the best records are the ones where you think that no, that none of these songs could exist without the rest of them around them. Absolutely. And the way that this songs transition, I think is one of the, it's, it's amazing. The way that that fizzles out and then the next song is called Bleach, isn't it? And the, ble- mm. the kind of, um, the you know, the, the way that it sort of fizzles out and then you get that just sort of steel guitar clang into the next song, which then It sounds like a very, in. it sounds like an almost out of tune acoustic guitar. Yeah. It may be a steel guitar actually, yeah. but this it, very weird, odd, almost discordant riff comes in. Mm. You're like what's this and it's one of those riffs which doesn't make sense at all no and then the drums come in and make it make sense which again is a very i mean that called pyramid song for me yeah um you know well at the end they they end on this big kind of just freak out which i was like this is pure sonic youth yeah that's like sonic yeah. youth at their le- and I, I mean this is the other thing i mean I, I wanted to bring it up at some point but i'm going to bring it up now is that there may be people who listen to us and go, I like, I liked it when you guys talked about heavy stuff uh-huh. and just heavy stuff. And now you're talking about Morrissey and talking about the national, you're talking about like 1975 and all these things. And I want a podcast where you just talk about heavy music and you might go, I'm not interested in all these other bands. If you're one of those people and you're listening to this and you're going, Oh God, it sounds like they're going off on some other indie album. This album is still fucking heavy it's actually heavy it's i mean certainly it's emotionally heavy but when those guitars go this is not like although there's again similarities to parts of early arcade fire Mm -hmm. it's never it's never as joyous as the arcade fire get no it's so dark and it's genuinely you know like when the from the first track the guitars are heavy this is an album with heavy guitars on it as well it's yeah. not a weak album it's not a kind of wistful and it's you know it's, it's not like an up its own ass fucking album full of you know snooty muso ramblings this album gets heavy and it yep. gets really hard as well but at the same time like you quite rightly say there is so much more going on in and around it i think that first track swan the manner in which it begins it's like this black cloud that descends on on you as a listener and mm. and i'm i'm do mean that in a positive way i mean i think we both love melancholy music and can yeah. find it you know really quite cathartic and joyful at times but um and, and and really i think i think the thing that makes that song sound so heavy is actually the brass there's this there's quite a bit of brass on this there album. is yeah yeah and um, yay for brass, what with Teeth yeah. of the Sea and this. Yeah. But um, the the brass just plays these like droning notes, which make it really sound weighty 
And, you know, when we talk about it, it, it's not some, it's not too dissimilar from something that Cult of Luna would do. No. Cult of Luna would probably turn up the distortion and scream over it as well. But to be honest, they're just as heavy as one another, mm. I think, in many ways. Yeah. So um, the manner in which, I mean, I'm so glad you brought up Talk Talk because the manner in which, I talk about it a lot, but the manner in which they use dynamics, you know. Is There's a little so... two and a half minute thing called Pyre, yeah. which just which could have been taken from spirit of eden yeah. do you know what i mean it absolutely it could have done and, and actually there's there's a song called a modern vespa i'm which, so glad you brought this up which yeah. and that starts <clears throat> like again like something which could have like a kind of post-metal spirit of eden like the rainbow but done post-metal very warped strings yeah. almost and drunken like, and like weird jazz sort yep. of disconnected jazz parts sort yep. of seemingly disconnected electronic parts as well and then it goes sort of, it's the, that song, it goes sort of full 80 synth pop for a minute. Yep. And it's probably the closest thing on this album that I would go, well, that could be a single, albeit a kind of dark synth heavy one with an acoustic midsection and like a doom metal outro. Yep. But it's probably the closest thing that they, the closest they get to doing like a single. But if you did release that as a single... You'd It'd be, be like Paranoid Android. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's really, yeah, and, yeah. you know, and it, it perfectly transitions into the next song. So you almost yeah. go, well, it couldn't be a single because then you need yeah. you need it to go into the, the next song. And I think they've oh. just released the first three tracks for the single, right? For, for the singles, which, you know, gives you an idea, I guess. But I mean, it, it, that's just the, the, and the first three tracks are all brilliant songs, but mm. it's only like the, you know, it's the top of the mountain, really. There's so much to this. I think something that I adore so much about that song, A Modern Vesper, is when it goes into this electronic synthy, almost 80s, not quite, mm. probably a little more industrial than that. Yeah. Bit, it's so unexpected. Mm. And this is what I love. I think this is what gets particularly, you know, people like you and I who listen to a silly amount of music. What gets us really excited is when you haven't got a clue where a song's going to go. Yeah. And the the places that that song goes and the manner in which it gets there, it's, it's fucking genius. It's mm. really clever. It's mm. really smart. It's totally unexpected. And it still feels surprised. I mean, I've, I've had this record for a little while now and I've sort of known it's coming up. And like, I, I, I must have heard this record 40 or 40 times. And I still kind of get surprised when that bit comes in, you mm. know, and that is masterful songwriting. That is really, really clever, well-arranged, incredible songwriting. Yeah. Um, I don't want people to think that this is a sort of artsy, shoegazy, emotionless thing as well. Like what, what I will... Certainly not emotionless. Oh yeah, completely. But what I want to say is like, <clears throat> you know, um, there are... There are bits in it where if you're searching for, I mean, again, to go back to the sort of heaviness, there are parts in it where it almost sounds deranged. Mm. Like, do you know, what's the song, um, The Dead Rift? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is disturb. It's a disturbing sound yeah. Yeah. on that song. I mean, that bit at the end with that kind of orchestral swell and him mm. singing, let me spin through the ground like a drill. Yeah. Is, and that's, that's fucking heavy. I mean, that's like really, and you just go, oh, and, yeah. the, and that's got the, the bit where, um, 
Is that is that the one? Is that got the bit where he go where it just all stops? And he's like, oh, somebody's going to murder me. There's a murderous yes, bit. Yes, um, I can't remember the exact words, but every, that bit, then that cuts out, and you go like, what the fuck? Everything stops, and then Tom very 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 quickly says something about yeah, you fuck me over and spin me around, spin me around the ground like a drill, and like, but it's said very very quickly and almost yeah. garbled, mm. and then the whole thing just starts up again, and it's the only moment that it does that, and it's so startling and so like. Yeah. Huh? You know, I, I mean, I've never, I don't think I've ever heard anything quite like that before. No. I don't think. Not, nothing that I can recall. No, not um, like that, no. Not, not in that manner and not delivered in that way. It's no. just, it's, yeah, it's just fantastic. That is a brilliant song. But that, <laughs> this is what I mean. That was one of the singles. Yeah. Bonkers. Mental. <laughs> um, I mean, the, there's a song near the end that's nearly nine minutes long called Robert and Gerda. Yeah. And that does more in that song <clears throat> than some bands manage in their entire career. Yeah, I agree. It, it, Robert and Gerda is one of the few, whilst whilst it would be incorrect to describe, you know, this record as happy or joyous or anything like that. It is a, it is a very melancholy record, right? Yeah. But Robert and Gerda starts in this really uh, down in the dumps, dark, murky place. And by the end of it there's a there's sun breaking through the clouds you know it, it mm. becomes quite ecstatic towards the end and again just the manner in which it builds and the manner in which it gets there is really really smart and, and really clever and there's a lot of these songs where if you played someone the first 30 seconds and then the last 30 seconds they go well that's not the same song it can't be how mm. on earth could it ever get there and then it but it does um what do you think this album is uh in terms of genre i don't know no neither do i post i i mean i want to say post rock i guess because it's the seems like the most all-encompassing thing but you know it reminds that's me that's usually of, what they get lumped in with yeah but i don't think now when you think of post rock as a genre that that you think of post rock as a genre i don't think it says enough really yeah. if you know what i mean i don't really think it does i think like i say to sound a bit like, you know, brand new and a bit like, and you'll know some of the trailer dead and a bit like Scott, you know, the drift, Scott Walker. Yeah. A bit like Talk Talk, a bit like Cold Radiohead, Luna. a bit like Radiohead, Cold yeah. of Luna. Yeah. Um, a bit like Godspeed, you Black Emperor. It's not to just go, ah, you know, mm. post rock. It doesn't really feel like it's it's telling the full story. There's also, I mean, I, I think one, one element that... Y- you've missed there you've got almost all of it but it, it's really folky this record you know yeah. someone someone hearing it who doesn't have a very wide palette might go oh it's a little bit like Mumford and Sons and you can <laughs> you can understand where they were coming from you know because there's a lot of like banjos and so on and so mm. forth on this record you know there's a lot of that typical kind of acoustic you know I mean if someone described this as a post-folk record which I don't think is even a genre but if they did I'd, I'd be like yeah, I kind of see where you're coming from. I don't think that sums it up either. No, I don't um, know what sums it up. I mean, I was thinking today as we were going through it and I was listening to it again. And I've listened to it. I've tried to get in as many listens. One, because I want to, because I think it's amazing. And two, because I, I felt like I needed to get it spot on. But I mean, this is going to sound like a massive thing to say, but we kind of chatted about the 1975 and its equivalence to um, OK Computer. 
there's even a bit on here where there's the chapter um i can't remember what um, is it deer trapping it's deer trapping yeah where she reads the kind of chapter of and and that is very kind of again quite fit happier but done yeah. so that it references it but it's not i mean when the 1975 did it, i felt like that was such a blatant yeah sort of stealing of that idea yeah. which i don't think this is done in the same way and it doesn't feel like it's from the same part of the record so you're you're it's because it's read in a computerized yeah. uh voice um yeah. but it's just a, it's, but it's a, not actually a computer <laughs> voice like i don't the think other it two, is no. the real person they're just reading it with no emotion yeah. Basically. yeah 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 um i'm trying to think of another album that's come out which reminds me which is is this good that that reminds me of okay computer I don't know if an album since OK, this might be the best thing of a similar ilk to come out since OK Computer. Um. Wow. Yeah. I feel like you've put me on the spot, but yes, I think that is probably true. I can't think of anything that is this well accomplished and um, has been put together with so much thought and so much craft. Um, it's been a very long time coming, this record. Um, when I saw them at the Boston Music Rooms, they were joking about how like there had been time hops on their uh, on their individual Facebook profiles from three years ago saying that the, the record was finished and done, you know. So they've been tinkering with it and working on it for a very, very long time. And you can tell, you can tell there's so much... Um, work and time and effort that's been put into it and it's just created this absolutely wonderful masterpiece of an album i can't think of another record off the top of my head um that betters it in its field although i can't think of any many records that are like it at all really i keep going back to radiohead but that's about the closest i can think of really um in terms of other albums that have come out this year, we both really loved that national record. Yeah, yeah. Like a couple of day, weeks ago, I was like, oh, this is going to take some beating for this sort of thing. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. It's brilliant how music surprises you, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's brilliant. Well, I, I and that national record, I was listening to the national record on the way here, actually, on my mm. epic two-hour bus drop. Mm. That national record's great. Yeah. This but, is better. Well, I, I, mean, I mean, they're different, but I, 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 I prefer this. Well, I mean, we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago. We're put, currently putting together our, or thinking about doing a podcast on the best albums of the decade. And I went, well, nothing can come along now, which is going to get in there. Yes. I remember saying this to you. I was yes. like, we might as well record it now, because even if the Tool album comes out, you've got a weight of, you know, if you go back to something you love from 2011... You've had nine, eight, nine years, seven years, whatever, yeah. to kind of live with that and really get inside the grid. And nothing's going to come along that you're going to accurately be able to go, that is as good as something that came out that I've been living with and love eight years ago. It's just very, very unlikely. And this has come along. Mm. And even just objectively speaking, like just objectively looking at things and going, Right, okay, well, as much as I love album X from 2012 or whatever, objectively speaking, this is this is better. I mean, that's not necessarily saying it's going to get in there, 
because mm. obviously you need to you do need to you got to pick what your favorite albums are when you say what the best are you're picking like what your favorite albums are yes that, that yeah that is so i'm not saying that 100 oh well you know this is a shoo-in but i'm trying to think of things like i can only think of three or four albums off the top of my head that i can objectively go they're as interesting as this they're as accomplished as this can i ask you what those are well, you'll be ruining it. For, <laughs> oh, I see. Sorry, podcast. within the within the decade, within, within the, the dec- last decade, within okay. the decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Okay. I mean, I literally, I, I for this year at the moment, I, this is the one to beat. Don't do a dose your dreams thing again. <laughs> well, I think most people will probably kind of understand. Like, I mean, it's not. Last year was a good, was a pretty good year. Yeah. And this year has not been as good. No, and it's starting been the to last, ramp up though, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, there's a few that have come out recently. <laughs> oh, there's a few on the horizon. Yeah, well. and there's a few on the horizon. But there's a few that have come out recently that have been fucking great. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, we spoke a couple of weeks ago. We've said The National Full of Hell, Employed to Serve, mm-hmm. um, Teeth of the Sea. I'd stick mm-hmm. Herod in there as well. Mm-hmm. We've got ones from before. Like, you know, I still think that Spielberg's album was always mm-hmm. wicked. And when I was going, oh, this is my favourite of the year, the Spielberg's. Comparing the Spielberg's album to this, it's just not even... Yeah. It's not even... The, it feels like an insult to yeah. this record to compare yeah. it like a very, very, very good record yeah. to this. Yeah. It almost feels like an insult. Even those albums I've said, oh, it doesn't feel like an insult to compare it to The National, but compared to that, I mean, this this is lapping The National. Like if this was a race. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, do, I just agree with all of that. I, I think Animal Choir is, her name is Colours Magnum Opus, basically. And I think that the fact that they're splitting up when releasing this it's incredibly bittersweet but then at the same time it's kind of maybe maybe that's how things should be maybe i mean how do you better this well i was gonna say and i don't know what sort of influence we have on the world not a lot um, and I don't know if anyone from this band listens or if any of their management or any of their label or anyone they, listen. I, I was speaking to Tom earlier today and apparently they're going to be listening to this on the way to Dunk Festival. On the <laughs> right, way to okay. their final show. So yeah. do you have a message for them, Steve? I don't think you should split up. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I don't think I don't think you should release this and not... Uh, people who love good music, mm. who have a real passion for music, mm. don't get something like this come along very much and this isn't like i want to see you live or do you know what i mean and they are brilliant live by the way this isn't that i just think for their own to give people the chance to actually hear it because you know we don't get fucking that many listeners in the grand scheme of things this they should be massive Mm. if you know if there was any justice at all in the world everyone who owns fucking okay computer would own would own this as well yeah do you know what i mean every single person who owns um oh fucking insert intelligent indie guitar rock album in Mm. here in the suburbs by arcade fire Mm. um whatever whatever you want to throw in as as the album that you know has has taken a band to madison square garden or wembley Mm. arena or whatever like those those bands right it just doesn't seem right to me that they don't get the opportunity to, for people who fucking crave something unique and brilliant that this might pass so many people by. And that is the thing where I think like, you can't, you can't just not, 
you can't just go, there you go, have that, see you later, let's yeah. see you here. Let's see who hears it. Might be some people, it might be no one. Like, come on, man. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah. There, there are so many people that, that would just have to hear this record and will uh, lose their, fu- and will fucking lose their mind when yeah. they hear it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I cannot fathom someone who's, favorite band are radiohead listening to this and going yeah it's all right no do you know what i mean i just i just don't believe it i just don't believe that would happen and if anyone uh out there does like radiohead and listens to this and does that then do get in contact with us yeah well but i would be i'd be I mean, really I would curious be under, to know why. i would be so fascinated to get inside the mind of that person mm. um yeah i just I, for that alone i i think you you know, even if it was after, even at the end of the album cycle and people were like, no, we didn't get it. Because you never know, you know, it might be a refuse and it might break up. It might break big years later or down the mm. line or whatever. But mm. oh, to not give it a chance at all. I mean, I know like, I remember Earth Day 9 were going to split up after this is very different. But Earth Day 9 never released an album anywhere near as good as this. But when it, they got a little bit of press, they did go, oh, maybe we should give it one more go. I honestly cannot, <laughs> I cannot understand. I mean, they've been going for about 10 years now, haven't they? Uh, I think maybe even a little bit longer than that. They have right, been going okay. for a while, and um, so they might just be bored shit. Like I get it. Do you know what I mean? It must be fucking frustrating to be. To be honest with you, I think it's just the grind, and, and yeah, a couple course. of them have kids and stuff. And I, I think, I think you know, it's certainly it's it's amicable. And like I, I was having pizza with them before their their last show in London, and you know, like, like we were all just having a laugh. It's definitely. You know, like everything's fine and stuff. It's I, I think I think it's just the grind, um, maybe of, well, of being in a band. I'm these sh- days. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure, and it doesn't sound like you know it's not that enjoyable, and it must be, uh, it must be deeply frustrating mm. to watch mm. it, the kind of bands who are unbelievably average by comparison get, you know, get to the point where they're playing massive massive venues and for you to release something but if you release something like this and everyone ignores it well then Mm. fucking definitely split up because the world does not deserve Mm. to be blessed with this sort of thing yeah but it, it, it would i think personally it would be it would be such a fucking massive massive shame to just never give people the opportunity never to not spread this out as much as possible because it's i agree quite genuinely one of the most sort of jaw-dropping records i've ever heard even bonjour agrees even bonjour agrees um i completely only likes black metal (laughs) i completely agree i'd you know, I'd had a, a few beers as I, I'm off to do, <laughs> yeah. um, but I was saying it was to, a day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> but I was saying to them after the show, I was like, guys, can you just reconsider this whole splitting up thing? <laughs> like, I just don't. I mean, these the, they played four or five songs from this album, you know, a month before it's come out when I saw them. And uh, they all sounded amazing. I mean, they were all pretty much you know the highlights of the of the show i thought and that that that's you know not to not to discount colors previous material i mean they've done some wonderful albums the quiet lamb i would definitely recommend mm. if uh, if you want more after this it's a fantastic record i don't I, i'm not i'm not saying i'm not going to do that but there, it w- there's so much to there's, there's so much there's to not going to be a, a point where i mean it took me a year well, it's not even been a year yet but it took me sort of 6 7 months before i went back to the rest of 
the fucked up, fucked up stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was yeah. like, well, I need, I've got this. You don't, you don't, you don't. Yeah, I'm, but all of their records take lots and lots of time. I, yeah. I, this is this is the best thing they've ever done, and I think I think few people would disagree with that who know their whole discography. Yeah. Um. But um. But you know they've always been a fantastic band, and uh, I suppose this is kind of this is the great joy of doing what we do, like discovering bands like this and then being able to shout about it and then hopefully you guys pick up on it and go oh my god this is incredible like we right. sort of did this with holy fawn in early in the year danger yeah. danger uh, face and again like those two bands are very very good this is an astonishing record mm. um six out of ten <laughs> <laughs> 60 out of ten uh so there you go it's called animal choir the band are called her name is Kala. And they've split up unless they don't want to split up. I mean, really, you don't have to say split up. Take a take a break. Have take a little a, th- yeah. sit down and then don't split up. <laughs> that's <decent laughs> advice. Um, yeah, that's my advice. But mind you, what do I know? Fuck all, really. Um, anyway, let's go on to our next album. It is from Cave In. It's called End Transmission. It's the first album in eight years from the Boston Hardcore Legends, um, 2011's White Silence, which was a very, very good record. It was your album of the year, as far as I recall. It was, yeah. It was, yeah. Can we call them Hardcore Legends anymore? We can call them Hardcore Legends. We can they call were them legends, legends of the Boston Hardcore yeah. scene. Whether they, whatever yeah, yeah, they yeah, do, yeah. they will always be legends of the boston hardcore scene um this is their seventh full-length album although yes to call them a hardcore band at this point is missing a point um missing the trick quite a lot i think um so this it comes after the um the the tragic death of uh bassist caleb schofield last year and um his presence weighs very very heavy on this record um say the least yes uh it's an album I think most Cavian fans, me included, would probably have assumed would never have been made and never seen the light of day. But um, we have it. Yeah. So, um, Renfrey, I'm going to let you kick this off. What are you saying about end transmission? Well, just like you, I'm I'm a massive Cavian fan as well. And I was very, very, very surprised. Um, they'd kind of been working in secret on this record since February... 2018 i want to say mm-hmm. or 2017 um a cup basically six weeks or so before caleb had his accident yeah um so what we have here is 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 almost it, it feels like sort of the the, the last remnants of potentially what we'll get from this band i mean i don't think they know at the moment Mm. um it's sort of titled final transmission and it may well be their final album but i think that actually refers more to the first track which is the title track yeah which Which is is actually a voice note that caleb sent the band um just for a song idea it's just a kind of riff with him singing another one of the guitar parts over yeah yeah. playing a guitar part which the sort of thing which bands send to each other all the time, just as a yeah. kind of like, I'm just going to make this note so that I don't forget this idea. But it and certainly like, takes on a it immediate, haunting quality. Yeah, immediately. Yeah, hauntings are the, are the perfect word for it. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I think as a result, but I, I, I think the album, I, I don't think this would have been the full, the finished article of what they wanted to do. I, I, it's, it's 
is it nine tracks? It's nine tracks, and when you count kind of the the two minute long voice note that begins yeah. it, really, it's eight, eight songs. Eight songs, yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah. which is not unusual for Cave In. Jupiter's only eight songs. That's true, although it's only half an hour long, isn't it? Yeah, uh, so, Jupiter has a couple of mammoth long yeah, songs. Yeah, yeah, Jupiter's yeah one one of them's like just under ten minutes, mm. I think, and it feels like I don't. I've seen some. Rev- I'm bringing the reason I'm bringing this up. I'm doing it in a very long winded way. Is I've seen some reviews kind of go, oh, this is the last album from Cave In. Kind of is that it? Kind of thing. And it's like, well, in context a way, context is everything. Context is everything, and it's kind of a uh, they. You know, they were going to initially release this as just demos, and they did decide to sit down and like. Um, work on them a bit more and uh, put more work into them just to clean them up and make them. But I am I imagine if things hadn't have gone, if Caleb hadn't have had his accident, then we would have had a, a longer, album, yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah, quote unquote, a proper album. Mm. Not to say that this what is on here is really good. Yeah, do you know what? Really I mean, good. Let's be frank about it. This is not the best Cave In record. No, and it's not no. ever going to be anyone's favorite caving record i no. don't think um what it is is um an interesting document of uh i guess a very very tragic thing that yeah. happened to them as a band that they've managed to come through and i think the fact that they've that we've got this at all yeah is great because yeah. it must have been very very difficult to work yes. on it yes um to finish those songs off after everything that they've been through as a band um and when you've got Stephen Brodsky in your band, you have a guitar tone and a way of playing and a way of shaping riffs that just are immediately interesting. Yeah. I don't think this is the most ambitious caving record. I don't think it's the most dynamic caving record. I don't think it's the most exciting caving record. Mm. But I think Stephen Brodsky brings something to caving which is a little sprinkles everything even the most kind of i don't want to say bog standard compositions i think the first half of this album is all right oh i don't think the first half is is as good as the second half oh really i think there's some cool shit on the second half i, I really like led to the wolves which is the last track That's which is very heavily caleb yeah and, and that nice. yeah and that definitely feels like mm. kind of going out with you know, um, a little nod back to those early kind of hardcore roots, which I think is cool. Um, Strange Reflection has got such an amazing doom riff and yeah. amazing sort of wide, vast sort of soundscape that yeah. I really love that as well. Um, Shake My Blood's really good. I said that I don't like the first half. I, think Shake uh, my I was going to really, say, Shake My Blood really, is fantastic. It's really, really good. Uh, well, the two songs that they've already released from it are both absolutely brilliant yep. and kind mm-hmm. of recall... Almost, I think the the cave in eras that this calls the most. There's a there's a, there's a bit of antenna on it. I was going to say Jupiter yeah, with Ju- with the kind of psychedelic element of White Silence. So you know White Silence starts and it is a incredibly heavy abrasive record, mm. and as it goes on, it sort of gets mellows out, mellower it? and mellower yeah, and mellower yeah, yeah, until yeah. by the the last song, it's practically a uh, Sergeant Pepper's era. Beatles song mm. basically mm. and I think this I think if I if I were to you know give a description of what this album sounds like to someone who knows Cave In I'd say it's Jupiter mixed with that last half of White Silence I'd uh, see I think it's more like um a more kind of uh, a punk rock antenna oh fair enough 
because I don't think it's got the musical ambit. I mean, you've just spoken about how it goes from white hot hardcore to Sgt. Pepper's on White Silence. Mm. There's nothing as musically ambitious as that on this record. I don't, I think this is, you know. I think that's why I'm specifying the the latter half of White Silence. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah. There's that psychedelic I, element to it. I yeah, suppose, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, sure. I, I mean, yeah. But there's that. There, that is there a little bit on Antenna. That yeah. kind of spacey. Yeah, uh, that Tide really... to Tomorrow actually as well is probably yeah. the, the the gap between um, Jupiter and Antenna is a Tide to Tomorrow EP, and it kind of reminds me most of that actually. Yeah, that's which a is good a show. little bit more straightforward, but it still feels quite like you say psychedelic and a bit artsy. Yeah. But they did go fairly straight ahead for the most part on Antenna. There's um, a few bit like there's that song is it Sea Frost, which is like eight yeah. and a half minutes long, yeah, 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 which yeah, goes yeah. all really psychedelic and weird yeah, at the end and that's stuff. Cool. And it's that kind of yeah part of cave-in i guess and yeah. and you know it's i mean i have to say the, the wicked thing with cave-in is you know now certainly since antenna or or even jupiter i suppose when cave-in announced that they're doing a new album you do not know what you're going to get no that is the cool thing um and i was quite you know i really enjoyed white silence i thought it was a fantastic yeah, record it's really good but i was quite happy to hear um Steve Brosky singing again. This is predominantly sung. There are yep. a few screams and stuff, and a few hail back to their sort of those early metalcore days until mm. your heart stops and stuff like that. But for the most part, it is kind of Jupiter era onwards that they're taking from here. I think. I think, like you say, the last track, uh, "Led to the Walls," has mm. a little nod to "Until Your Heart Stops" or "Beyond yeah. Hypothermia," even. But yep. but it does feel like. In many ways, you know, whether this was um, on purpose or not, and I'm, I'm kind of guessing that it wasn't on purpose, but it does feel like this record um, sums up Cavin's career in, in, in a sense, in that there's a little bit of everything sprinkled into it. They are very light sprinkles, I would say. Yeah, like, I, I very, agree. Very, very light sprinkles. I, I I've, don't feel that comfortable in saying this is an album that saves that that sums up Cavin's cave career when it feels like with all due respect to it the most linear and most obvious Cavin record do you know what I mean mm -hmm, like you say mm -hmm. there's nothing I wasn't surprised by it nothing okay. I, I've always had a little you know when I heard Until Your Heart Stops I and mean, I heard Jupiter first and then I went back and heard Until Your Heart Stops and went ah how do yeah. those two things work yeah. and then I heard Antenna and I was like wow they've gone like full Foo Fires and then I heard um, perfect pitch black yeah. and I was like oh my god they've gone yeah. back to hardcore and then yeah. you hear white silence and you're like well that's all over the place this is the first time I've heard it and gone oh it sounds like kind of caving doing different bits of it so I, I, I don't so. think you want to go this is the album that sums up I know you're not saying it's their best album or their no, no, opus no. or anything like that but yeah sprinkling a little bit of of everything in has kind of oddly made it I feel bad calling it their least interesting album but it is probably their least interesting album but to be fair Aren't we talking about an unfinished record here? Yeah, we are. I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, I I almost see this as a um like Jeff Buckley's um for my skit uh, mm. sketches for my sweetheart the drunk. You know, yeah. it, it it feels like it's a document more yeah, than the course. finished article. And actually, I think I think it's considering that I think it's surprisingly good. Oh, most bands who do this type of music. Yeah. is not they don't do it as well as Kate. Exactly. Yeah. So it's still great. Yeah. It's just that that bar is fucking high yeah oh, i God, agree it's so high i agree you, you've got at least i would say four classic albums in cave back catalogue 
like yeah. for the stuff like until your heart stops is a classic of that genre yeah yeah jupiter's a classic full stop yeah. i think antenna is a kind of lost classic yeah and i even think you know white silence is it might not be a classic but it's certainly like an unbelievably brilliant album i would say i think perfect pitch black has uh aged phenomenally well yeah i've not listened to perfect pitch black for a while i should go back to, that's the only one that i don't listen to as much and i still like it mm. but it suffers in the same way that i think this one suffers a bit in in that it's just it, it's an eight in a world of nines and tens I think I went I went back to their entire discography before seeing them at Roadburn. I was extremely excited about seeing Cave at Roadburn and um Perfect Pitch Black just stood out to me as a record where I either forgotten how good it was or it or as I say it's just aged so well that mm. I think uh I I th- I think I think that's actually a bit of a lost treasure itself actually yeah. Perfect Pitch no, Black. No no yeah it's it's funny that came out at a time when I remember being really into Cave In and Boy Sets Fire and they both got dropped by major labels for making the wrong type of album at the same time. Right. And they both sort of went... It's weird actually because Cave In, I think, Antenna was the perfect album for a major label yeah. and Boy Sets Fire made Tomorrow Come Today, which is really kind of anti-George Bush, political, angry as fuck album. And it was a bit like, well, that's not work because you're not playing the kind of major label game. Mm-hmm. Don't know why it's not worth a cave-in. And then they, they got dropped, both of them. Cave-in made perfect pitch black and it's really kind of heavy and angry. And you're like, oh, right. And Boy Six Fire made an album with loads of singles on. Right. And it was like, oh, well, maybe you two should have got your heads together and actually yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> had a little chat about what both of you were going to do. And it yeah. might yeah. still be on major labels. Um, but anyway, it is a good record, this. It is a good record because cave-in are great. Although, you know, like I say, take it for the context that it was it was made yeah. in, that it's been produced in. Yeah. Um, but I think if you're someone who doesn't know who they are and you hear this, I reckon you'll be like, wow, this band are great. Yeah, exactly. And then, fuck me, you've got a treasure trove to be digging into after that. I think it's a beautiful um, uh, tribute to... Yeah, to, undoubtedly is, yeah. ...to their very talented and very much well-missed friend. Mm. So, I th- and, and I think that in, in and of itself is is Very worth important. celebrating and definitely. putting out there definitely so there you go um that is last transmission by Kevin. final transmission final transmission what did i say last last it's right in front of me <laughs> i mean what anyway it's out now it's the new album from Kevin. um right let's move on to something very 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 different indeed royal republic club majesty this is the rock and roll swedes who were subject to a pretty positive trade-off a few weeks back um yeah. returning with their fifth album the first since the aforementioned weekend man that we talked about a few yeah. weeks ago from 2016 so um yes uh download main stage beckons once again for royal republic their second appearance on the main stage at donnington um coming up this year uh they're slowly creeping up the bill on these sorts of things um and you've got to think that uh more ears than ever are going to be on royal republic as uh as this record comes out so renfrey you're a fan we've already established i am um despite i mean I don't kind of consider Royal Republic a typical, you know, if I can put myself out of myself for a second, Redfrey Deadman band, if that makes sense. Yep. Uh, I think in that trade-off, I compared them to electric. I think I said I, they're electric six, but better. Yes, Although someone on Twitter did say, have you actually heard any electric six albums? And bar the one with high voltage on it, I haven't. So mm. um, fair, fair play that person for calling me out on that. Um, 
Right, okay. Do you think they're better than Electric Six? I, I do, yeah. Right, okay, cool. Um, and yeah, I remember receiving Weekend Man and uh, quite liking it, but then being flown out to Germany to see them and just live, it is, it's very difficult not to be seduced by them, mm. really. Um, very, very, very difficult. Uh, it, it, there's, they, they are just a lot of fun. They are a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And and this album, again, is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, yeah. It's a fun record. You know, I don't really know. Um, it They seem to like disco. The, now, this is this is their disco album, isn't it? I think it is. I think this is a uh, 70s themed record generally. There's mm. pepperings of 80s in there as well, but there's a lot of disco and funk there is, yeah. on it, I would say. Horns, stacks, Lots era of horns. soul. Bit of sax. Bit of sax, yeah. Like Huey Lewis in the news. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. Some of it, and this yeah. is that, I love the fact that this is coming out on Nuclear Blast. Yeah. It's like, this must be the first disco record ever to come out on Nuclear Blast, right? Unless Decapitated have a hidden disco record that they're, they're just they do, sitting on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're hiding a lot of things, Decapitated. Um, no, uh, they're fucking not, all right? I didn't mean that. Um, yeah, I, they love a disco, but I mean, there's a song called Blunt Force Trauma. Uh, Force trauma. And you've got to think, like, with a name like that on Nuclear Blast Records. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, let me listen to this. And Normally that would be like and a, then you, yeah, then a you, cannibal corpse lyric. Yeah. But on, on this, it's... Uh, Horns and jiggling hips, essentially. Don't you it? know we're the king and queen of karma? You call it love, I call it blunt force trauma. <laughs> it's amazing. It, it is, uh, and, you know, like, every everything about it is just about... Um, the drum, I think the drummer's really good. If we can drum's talk about the music, musicality of it, the drummer gives it like proper snake hips swinging yep. beats the whole yep. way through. The, you know, the riffs are cool. He's got a really, really distinctive voice. It's obviously slightly tongue in cheek, yeah. but it's very, well, very, uh, it's very, very sort of fun. You accuse me of not liking fun, but I, li- I like this. <laughs> I accuse myself of not liking fun as well. So, no, you know, yeah, it's fair enough. Fair. Um, it's uh, his name's Adam Grant. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce his surname. And and it is, I think, the band behind him are fantastic. But mm. I think that the key thing to look at is his vocal delivery and the manner in which he sort of delivers these songs. You called it tongue in cheek. I mean, mm. I'd call it more tongue in your girlfriend's cheek. You know, <laughs> the manner in which he like delivers these lines and and stuff. But there's a sort of cheeky um, sass. Yeah. to to him where it's like oh you're, you're telling me my girlfriend but i still like you anyway <laughs> like, <Bloody hell. laughs> he's a very likable chap he he's is a very, very likable man he is a very likable chap um, quite right and um you know there's there's like it's it's just it's almost like carry on's not right is it it's not, but it's not a million miles away. It's not away. a million miles away it's kind of you know there's this there's this um oh what's that song about being undercover and like, you know, it's not actually about like being a spy, being undercover in Syria. It's actually going under the covers of a, yeah. uh, of a, of a, of a it, bed. It's called undercover. With a young lady, I believe. Yeah. Mm. Uh, on on, on that inspection. That well. No. no. No, for spies, they don't <laughs> hide it very well. But there's a lot of kind of like. Innuendo. Innuendo and like that sort of Cheeky. thing. But it's fun and it doesn't like. It's it good. It doesn't feel creepy. It doesn't. Yeah, it's not creepy. Yeah. And you know, like I think again to go back to it, like before we talked about them being kind of, I guess, 
like a rock band, uh, a kind of classic rock band, but done in, they've got that cheap trick type pop rockiness. Yeah, definitely. You know, but on this album with the, the addition of brass and with the, the disco uh, beat and the sort of synth that they've added in with it, um, they feel like a kind of old school pop band to me. Do you know what I mean? It's almost that. like an old school. Like, I mean, I mentioned Huey Lewis in the news sort of jokingly, but you know what I mean, don't you? I, I, I didn't feel like you were mentioning it jokingly. I thought that was yeah. quite accurate, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, I, I, I think there's some, I like a song like Annalee, mm. um, which is actually the most 80s inflected one, but it just has this amazing chorus, which is just like... It's a bit better than that, to be fair. Uh, only but, a little yes. bit, but not much. Um, but it's just, it's so irresistible. It's very difficult to not mm. like it. Do you know what mm. I mean? I think um, I think at this point, I kind of said this at the beginning of the review. Really, with Royal Republic, it is all about them live. Yeah, and I do get the sense that they're possibly one of those bands. I mean, I, I hope this isn't you know. I hope this isn't like something they wouldn't want to hear, but like it feels like they release albums in order to go on tour and all a Royal Republic album needs to do is add another four or five bangers to the set, which are going to be played live. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't feel like a Royal Republic album needs to be any more than that. No, but what's wrong with that, man? I mean, the, the, the I, world I, is littered with great bands that have done that. I, 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 do you know I, what I mean? Like not, not every, as much as we, we were talking about, you know, two very kind of um, uh, artistically challenging bands, the, the, mm. the two albums that we reviewed, the kind of, the, the flip side to that is you can just be a brilliantly fun poppy guitar band and add three or four new songs to your set and you know mm. i would definitely go and see royal republic yeah i'm not i'm not actually saying it as a criticism no, really I and i and, and i do think this album absolutely i mean to be honest i think this album probably had six or seven mm. um songs which they could happily play live and keep in their set for a long long time that it has got to the point now where they do have a couple of handfuls of really great tunes uh, and they could easily play 20, 22, 23 songs and you'd have a really, really, really good time live. Um, but, you know, I, I guess I suppose what I'm saying by that is it just feels like that as great as, as you know, this is a very good album. But if you want to see them in their element, you've just got to see them live, haven't you, really? And and that's true of many, many bands, but 10 times more so with Royal Republic, I would say. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I think... Yeah, you would have a good time. It's just, you know, it's... I think there's a couple of clangs on it, if I'm honest. Um, yeah, I, uh, I mean, you know, like... Bulldog they go doesn't they, really do anything for me. No, they go by so quickly that... Yeah, yeah, true, true. Mm. It's like 11 tracks in 35 minutes, yeah. I think. Um, there's a couple There's a couple of songs which I'm like, yeah, I don't need to hear that ever again. But, you know, the, like three quarters of it is, fun, is great. It's just really good fun. Mm. If you like disco and funk. And you should. But anyway, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's Club Majesty by Royal Republic. It is out right now. Slightly different from our last review of the week, which comes from Cursed Earth. 
the Deathbed Sessions. This is a new EP, a stopgap EP, if you like, from the Australian hardcore crew. You imagine it'd be kind of a stopgap EP because um, vocalist Jasmine Luders left the band last year. Um, and now we have a, an EP with kind of um, guest vocalists. Yeah, uh, I've doing... seen them refer to it as a mixtape. Yeah, that, that, that kind of Which makes sense. So everyone from Larissa from Venom Prison to the bloke from the Amity Affliction. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. running the gamut of, <laughs> of different say, types of quality. The the, the what the press notes kind of said, uh, there's a sw- slight twist. We're not actually going to announce who the guest vocalists are until the record's released. Mm. But we, we've, you know, it says on the press notes who the guest vocalists are. And bar Larissa, uh, I was just like, I don't know any of them anyway. Well, I do know some of them. It's got the <laughs> okay. guy from, um, well, obviously it's got the guy from Amity Affliction. It's got Joel Birch from Amity Affliction. It's got um, the guy called, I can't remember his name. I'm sorry, mate, but he's in Aversion's Crown. Right. We're a sort of all right. Right. Sort of deathcore band, kind right. of all right. Um, that's got that guy from uh, from Kubla Khan, who's on the first track as well. Right. Uh, they're all right as right. well. Um, and there's a few from others that I'm I'm not as sort of bothered about but ultimately what's weird about this is that they all sound the same anyway essentially don't they um kind of with one or two exceptions yeah, yeah with one yeah. or two with one or two the majority, i mean i think you can't tell it's larissa straight away i oh no i thought larissa was on a totally different track and then really? when i when i <laughs> when i uh looked it up i was like oh right fuck Oh shit, she sounds pissed off. As she always does. Um, but you know, yeah, that was a surprise to me. Yeah. But um I think I think hearing the concept of what they were doing and and you know, you described it as a stopgap, my expectations for this were pretty low. Mm. And I have to say, I don't know if it is because my expectations were low, but I felt like they were pretty smashed, really. Um yeah. You agree? Yeah. yeah it's, fucking, w- it's very good, this. I was really surprised. And and this is coming from someone who... So they did those uh, cycle, Cycles of Grief EPs. Two yeah. EPs put together to kind of form an album. First one was got a lot of hype and I, I thought it was pretty good. And I thought the second one was really good. Mm. Um, I, I, I liked them both, but I felt the hype wasn't justified, I have mm. to say, if I'm totally honest. And this is the first EP... I've not gone back to those Cycle of Grief EPs yet although I kind of really want to now after hearing this but I feel like this is the first time where I've gone oh hang on a minute this this is really very good isn't it they are good yeah they're doing they're doing some really interesting code orangey type things yeah I mean you know listen code orange are the benchmark the marker the blueprint for all of these bands and we all knew they'd come after yeah, forever yeah, yeah, yeah. we all knew they'd come out we all knew that you know people would start doing that kind of thing but there's enough stuff on here which is you know just well made i think for it to be good and the thing is as well like without wanting to sound like a fucking broken record which i probably do quite a lot ultimately 20 minutes and seven tracks is the perfect length if you're just going to come on and smash everyone yeah. over the fucking face with a big bit of steel yeah it's about it's about 18 and a half minutes actually and and it, and it is the perfect length like yeah. uh, it doesn't get it doesn't get boring it doesn't get dull um the guitar tone on it is absolutely monstrous monstrous yeah i think sometimes i mean this is particularly prevalent in um deathcore which isn't this isn't strictly but sometimes bands are um guilty of just getting an amazing guitar tone and then not doing an awful lot with it yeah. and i don't think 
you know, there'd be some that we don't agree on <laughs> with that. But um, I don't think you could really accuse Cursed Earth of that. Because um, they do these things like, so there's that song Operation that has this huge, you know, again, Code Orange kind of vibe. And there's this very gnarly, almost ear corroding noise that comes in at seemingly random intervals, which, you know, it's a very sort of Code Orange thing to do. But it works in terms of like really unnerving you and making you feel uh, unnerved. I'll go with that again. Mm-hmm. It, it, it it works very, very well. And then and the, the more you listen to it, you pick up on things like on that on the track that Larissa's on um, underneath the I'm going to call it a chorus. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's the chorus. There's just these like, oh, yeah, kind of thing, you know, like th- there's lots of things that you wouldn't necessarily initially pick up on. But mm. when you listen to it a few more times, it's like, oh, there's actually some cool little details that they've put in. It's very rhythmically entertaining I absolutely think. yeah it will make you move if, mm. you, if you like this kind of thing yeah it will make you move and then it will make you stop moving as you were moving and it makes starting you moving <laughs> in a slightly different way again as well. yeah. i think that's yeah. cool yeah. um yeah i mean I, again I, I just think if you're going to be really really heavy try and mix it up as much as possible get in and get out yeah and that's what they've yeah. done yeah and you know i'm not going to sit here and be like this is the future of hardcore because yeah. you know we'll talk about that in a little bit when we talk about slam dunk the kind of where the future of hardcore is i think but um but certainly all time low yeah yeah <laughs> no no i saw newfound glory so it was all good um uh and yeah um but uh this is very very good and they have made me go oh yeah they are good that band um they haven't quite jumped to the queue uh, to the front of the queue for like no you know if this was what should we say wrestling um they wouldn't be like they're going for the intercontinental title they're not going for the the main belt and there's a few people in front of them i think who would be going for the main belt but like they're they're good well we always we use code orange and vein usually Mm. don't we as the as the the best of this kind of thing and then we usually kind of go to like jesus peace Mm -hmm. and stuff like that i reckon this is potentially jesus peace kind of level yeah like second tier down and and which is very very good you know it's 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 and bearing in mind they've not released like a proper debut album yet. so you know considering that that's very promising indeed i I have to say and i i'm i was hoping to go back to cycles of grief uh before doing this review but i've not had a chance because i've been listening to that her name is color record constantly Mm. um but from memory i preferred this to cycles of grief which was a real surprise because i think i yeah i think i do maybe definitely definitely part one i think it's better than part one okay it's probably on a par with part Part two two. yeah yeah okay all right i I will go back to those records but which is fine so um yeah but it's the deathbed sessions ep by cursed earth it's out right now right before we do um slam dunk which we will get to at the end we're going to do a trade-off probably a fairly quick trade-off because you gave me Tellison, hope fading nightly from 2015 who are a uk-based band who i'd known the that they existed yeah um they're london based london based um uh, they've been around for been around a fair time. while, yeah, mid 2000s, 2006, 2000s. They've been on Made in Chelsea and Strictly Come Dancing, according to their Wikipedia page. Have they? Their music has been used on and on the in between as well, which is not as weird. But I did see that and go, that is fucking, that is weird. That that is really weird. Um, God, that feels like a troll. I would, I would be. I'm okay. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Well, maybe. I mean, you know, 
Well, we Possibly. all know that everything you read on Wikipedia is true, it's don't we? Definitely from this show. true. Yeah, yeah, definitely true. Um, so this uh, it's come out on Alcapop Records, which is a good record label, I think. Yeah. And um, when it started, I was like, oh, this is going to be well, because it was sort of, you know, put as an indie record. I thought, oh, that's going to be well folksy, this. <laughs> it started off the first song, Letter to the Team, quite folksy. Yeah, um, great Keanu Reeves reference, reference there. There is a good Keanu Reeves yeah. reference. Yeah. Keanu Reeves says everything is death. Um, everything is... Uh, uh, glory lasts forever. Um, Pain, uh, pain, pain heals chicks dig stars scars but glory lasts forever nice that uh, that song actually um just to give you a bit of context about that song mm. is uh the lead singer stephen davidson um apologizing to everyone who's been in Tellison uh for the band not making it right okay. so they start their third album by so, so it's like dear matthew peter you know mm. he just lists all the people who've yeah. been in Tellison and goes I'm sorry that we never really made it. Yeah, it's, which is such a that, bold, know brilliant way to start cool. your third album. It's an acerbic record. There's a song on it called "Tact Is Dead." Yes, which I really, really like. That's great. Um, that was the single. Yeah, I thought it might be actually because it's yeah. got kind of um, alt rock, sort of indie Foo Fighters-y stuff all over it. And I thought yeah, that would yeah, sound yeah. really good on the radio. It would have done in the in the noughties um, when they used to play sort of guitar music <laughs> on the yeah. radio. But yeah. um, I thought this was good, Renfrey. I don't know why you gave it to me, um, other than it just sort of a, a, quite a good album. I wasn't blown away by it. I'm mean, okay. coming off the back of the hold steady. And certainly this week, quite a difficult week to be anything other than her name yeah. is Kala. When you're yeah, in a similar yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of, I'm not saying this is a similar sort of band, but when you're a guitar band, yeah. a kind of indie rock guitar band, and you're up against that, you're only going to look kind of irrelevant i think and i wouldn't say this is an, an irrelevant sounding record but i just thought this is perfectly fine quite meat and potatoesy bog standard okay guitar rock there is um Tellison are a real cult act in terms of people who love them really adore them and yeah. i am one of those people oh yeah and i this is i've been re-listening to this to to talk about albums of the decade oh wow okay i fucking love this record fucking hell i um, that come in um i i just think in terms of that kind of alt rock emo-esque pop thing mm. i think it's one of the best i just i just love it is that lyric are you talking is it the lyrics that speak to you quite a lot it, there's definitely a lot of lyrical stuff that, that speaks makes to sense. me a bit. I, I think it's very very smart and very clever and and using that example of the first song mm. it is a classic example one of those records that the more you look into it the smarter it becomes and then after a while you realize that there's something very smart behind every single song and you realize that it's just very cleverly and brilliantly put together okay uh, i think my favorite song is hellhole um yeah, which just has this brilliant kind of lyric um my heart is a hellhole, so leave it to me, kind of thing. Like it's just the most beautiful song about heartbreak. I've oh, it's, it's up there with one of the most beautiful. I mean, there's plenty of songs that have been written about heartbreak. Do you know what I mean? But this is one of the better ones, I find. Um, it's it's nothing more apart from I fucking love them. It's also they're playing Portals Festival soon, so I thought it was timely mm-hmm. from that point of view. It's been a little while since they've played. Um, but they are just one of those bands who are absolutely adored. I remember Rock Sound really getting behind them uh, mm. around the release of The Wages of Fear, which is their second album, which is brilliant as well. Yeah. But um, uh, this one's always been my favourite. It's actually their third and their most recent. Um, 
and it is yeah it, there's nothing there's nothing sort of different or unusual about it. i i just love it i just it think got, it's great to get very good reviews yeah yeah uh i i liked it i enjoyed the time that it was on do you know what i mean i thought it was an enjoyable way to spend mm-hmm. what, about 40 minutes yeah, just shy of 40 minutes, I reckon. Yeah, it's cool. I don't think it's a typical Stephen Hill record. No, not just... really. Like, not not especially, no. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've I've only, I've got a finite amount of space for these sort of bands yeah, and yeah, these yeah, sort yeah, of records in my life. And um, a couple of these songs might go on a playlist somewhere one day. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But the record as a whole, I don't think it's bad at all. Mm, I don't mm, think it's bad. Mm but I don't love it. But then I think, I wonder if that's just because it's tough week. Yeah. Tough week to be yeah. Tellison yeah. on trade-off yeah. when you're up against her name is Kala. I did actually, when I gave it to you last week, I was like, oh, is this, was this the best week to give it to you? So, yeah. You want to give somebody something completely different when you've got something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I have done that. Yes, uh, you have. Yeah, you uh, anyway, have. Anyway, that was uh, Hope Fading Nightly by Tellison. I gave you The Streets, The Hardest Way to Make an Easy Living, which is their third album, coming off the back of the monolithic success of A Grand Don't Come For Free. It was actually the first Streets album to enter the UK charts at number one. Um, really? Yeah, that's correct. Oh. Even though the Mercury Music Prize nominated A Grand Don't Come For Free and obviously original pirate material was a huge critical smash and turned Mike Skinner into um, one to watch. A Grand Don't Come For Free essentially turned him into uh, one of the most talked about musical artists of his generation. Yes. Last week um, last week we were saying, I I was saying I've heard one of his albums, I couldn't remember which one it was, but it's actually A Grand Don't Come For Free. Okay. I, I, thought, what, I thought it was original. What do you think about uh, The Streets? Um, I've described Mike Skinner in the, in the past as uh, dyslexic poetry. Mm. um i don't like it okay, fine. <laughs> um i think uh so that's not on this record that's before this record i'm talking about let's that's talk how about... that's how, that's how i felt about him okay. in the past yeah, so that yeah, is yeah, yeah. yeah okay fine um i'm i mean i picked this with an ulterior motive room i have to be honest uh-huh. but i'm interested to know with that in mind just from my own to get my thoughts about the streets out out of the way. Um, What Mike Skinner does is something which I think is very, very clever. Um, I I thought the first album spoke very eloquently and very interestingly and quite knowingly um, and sometimes quite amusingly about a lifestyle which I have no interest in. Right. Uh, I was never a let's go out and drink 20 pints of Stella and get a kebab and get in a fight and try and have a one night stand with someone at a club. That was never my existence when I was growing up. But I was aware that a great majority of people from my generation did do that. And I thought Mike Skinner retold um, his experiences from living that type of lifestyle in a very arch way, which... um, and I think he was aware of the sort of the absurdity of it. Um, I think a lot of that gets left, got, got would get would get lost on the type of people that um, that were coming to street shows, especially around the time of a Grand Don't Come for Free. I think a Grand Don't Come for Free is not as good, but it's still good. Um, and that's where this comes in: uh, the hardest way to make an easy living. Renfrey, what are you saying? Well, this is an interesting record because you just pointed out that it's about 
you know, should we say like a working class kind of yeah, um, absolutely London streets kind of vibe to it. Well, that's what the first two records about were about. And because this say is, Midlands as well, because he's from Birmingham. Is it Midlands? My yeah. my bad. So oh, he sounds like he's from London though, doesn't he? He's doing that Mockley thing a little bit. Um, but this is this was kind of the first record he released where he'd had a lot of success. And so he can't yeah. kind of keep peddling that Exactly thing. that, yeah. Um, and so there are songs on it about kind of like sleeping with uh, celebrities mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. And, and it seemed... I mean, I noticed, I, I, I expected, because I hadn't even heard of this record before. Before, And to be honest, like, The Streets seemed to be this thing that happened in the mid-2000s, early 2000s. Yeah. And, and I didn't even know that The Streets were still going, basically. Mm. Um, and it's just sort of dropped off. And it seems, this seems to have been the drop-off this point. This is the drop-off, pretty much, I think, yeah. Um, and I was surprised that, you know, I expected it to be like poorly reviewed. It, it still has relatively good reviews. It's just not compared to the first two. Well, I mean, don't they always at first? Mm. Doesn't everyone after they're, oh my God, it's great. I believe, um, you know, I, I think even Be Here Now got yeah, initial true, good reviews. True, true, true. Well, this came out 11 months after the previous mm. record. Yeah. Um. I have to say there are loads and loads of people who I really admire and respect, including yourself, sir, who like Mike Skinner and the streets. And I think it's just a sort of constant source of frustration (laughs) for me in that I don't get it really. Mm -hmm. Um, And when people try to sell him to, to me, it is similar to what you've just said in that like sort of the manner in which he, um, describes that lifestyle and things like that and i i just it just i i i I don't know i guess i'm just not interested yeah i just i just don't care mm, like similarly to motley crew i think when they yeah you know like it's a lifestyle that i I mean i think mike skinner is far more knowing and self-aware yes than motley crew are but you know when you're talking about when you're talking about going to a strip joint and blah, blah and doing kind of immoral things, but then that's the sort of thing that your neighbour does as well. It's one thing. What's interesting about this record is, like you say, is that this is the problem when you become a, a big star. Yeah. Is it self-indulgent yes. to talk about your life well, when you've got to where you are yeah. and being in your life? Or do you continue to try and go, no, 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 I still go and get a kebab. No, 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 no. I'm still going down, yeah. getting two for one WKD down at the fucking local shitty yeah. whatever club it is that you go to. It's a huge catch 22. It's a very, very, very difficult thing to manoeuvre. Yeah. And in Mike Skinner's case, you know, it... it he fucked it completely fucks it on this record i can understand why lines like i never think about money in fact i don't even know how much money i have Mm. wouldn't endear him to the fan base that he had created yeah um but then at the same time i was kind of yeah like memento mori in it going out and buy loads of stuff talking about pranging you know the first track pranging out is just him saying i've woken up with a random girl in my big fucking mansion yeah and then there's songs on it like you know the the title track which 
talks about actual how much money it's costing them to make a video how much money he's going to recoup when he sells the album how he needs to like no one wants to hear that shit and i guess if that is kind of the redeeming feature if if the relatability the relatableness yeah is uh is the main feature of this kind of hip-hop then how is that going to work when 99 percent probably 99.9 percent of your audience is not going to be able to understand where you're coming from yeah um there's a certain thing about those people uh is those people but i think people who i think you get now with sort of instagram and influencers and stuff like that is that people will follow someone on instagram who they go oh i'm gonna live my life vicariously through seeing all the cool things they do but i don't want it to be too cool mm-hmm. i i know that people will lose followers from post like if you're just out in the street having a coffee and go look at my nice dress yeah great oh you're just like me and you go abroad to somewhere you know amazing mm-hmm. then sometimes apparently you will lose followers because they're like well fuck you mm-hmm. like you get your free fucking well you're not better than me mm-hmm. it's like you know, well, I, it's a weird it's, it's a very very difficult ground to navigate i guess it's a fine line i mean i, I almost feel like i should have re-listened to um uh, either the first or second album as well and and i would make you do that mate <laughs> um I do recall that when I first heard The Streets, that it would have been around 2000. When did that second album? Well, the second album, 2004. I think it was the second album, 2004. It would have been mm. around then, yeah. I do recall like really disliking it um, and just feeling like it wasn't for me at all. And also kind of feeling like, I'm curious about your take on this, um, feeling like it was almost a uh, product of reality TV culture in that it suddenly felt like there was a, it felt like pre-reality TV, um, if you were going to be famous, you had to have some sort of a talent of some kind. Mm. And then post-reality TV, as long as you could kind of um, empathise with someone or something like that, that could be enough for you to... Maybe. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily true of the streets. I don't think anyone had ever done anything like this before. I think that, you know, like... I agree I, with I, that. I mean, you know, we were last week going, isn't it great that Simon Neil sings in a in a sort of Scottish accent? Mm. Well, Mike Skinner sounds like that. That is what he yes. sounds like. He's talking about things he sounds like. You've also got to remember the climate of like, we spoke last week about Collapsed Lung and where British hip hop was at that yeah, point fair in enough. time. I mean, this does piss all over and, Collapsed Lung. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, even if this album does, I mean, yeah, the ones yeah, before yeah, yeah, really yeah. do. But when you listen to the original Pirate Material and, you know, what was being held up for Garage at that, you know, it was a lot of, it was either really weak, quite badly made, um, or it was, and it was, aping the sort of the gangster rap culture whereas mike skinner didn't do that mike skinner never ever tried to do that which is i think why he connected with people so much because people were like for the first time ever there's a uk rapper who's actually talking sounding like he's from the uk talking about things that happen in the uk yeah like there wasn't really anyone certainly that ever connected you know from when i was when i think back to uk rap artists when i was growing up the Rebel MC, don't know if anyone remembers him. Um, it was pretty much it, really. Right. And then stuff like Collapse Lung and Sensor and, you know, rap rock bands, like yeah, actual yeah, UK hip hop. Yeah. Like, you know, there was a bit of, and then, yeah, and then kind of 
So Solid Crew and Oxide Neutrino and all that kind of stuff came along, which was a lot about like looking cool in the club, you know, in in a sort of quite an American, yeah, 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 in a kind of like American swing or American gangster rap type of way. But but the streets didn't do that. Um, the reason, although debatably, until this album, until this record. Mm. I mean, I'm going to read a review actually from Stylus Magazine, mm. which described this album as an exercise in empty nothingness. But it's not um, bacchanalian, coked out excess nothingness. It's the joyless, hollow-eyed actions of a man who is waiting for for the next fix and doesn't care what bullshit has to come out of his lips in order to get paid. Mm. And I think that is... I think I've been quite kind to it compared to that. <laughs> yeah, I think you have. But I think there's definitely, like, you know, there's a truth to that for sure. Mm. Um, real, the reason I really brought it up is we speak a lot about, or I've spoken a lot about, you know, the various states of... Uh, I've had a bit of kind of um, snap, like, clap back from people going, oh, you know, you just don't get, like, well, you're slagging off Stormzy and you're slagging off, like, the way that grime is at the moment. It's not... Listen... Like I said last week, this shit's happened before. Like I said on the um, on the festival preview, this is what happens when you aren't when you become unrelatable. This is what will happen. This will happen. Like all you trap lot, watch your fucking back because mm. the second they start selling loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of records, the second that something which came from housing estates in East London turns into mansions in Berkshire. They become unrelatable. The game will be over. Yeah. And not many people survive. But that's the thing. If if that's all you have in your back pocket is relatability, which I don't even really get anyway, then, I mean, I almost kind of think that doesn't say an awful lot for the art in the first place. Because if, if it can fall, if it can but crumble mate, I, that quickly, that easily. Yeah, but mate, you could, listen, you could say that about... um. You could say that about Nirvana. The reason they connected initially, the reason they connected that much. No, it's not like Nirvana didn't sound like anyone else. Like lots of people sounded like Nirvana, but people went, that that guy, I relate to that. Mm. I relate to Kurt Cobain. I relate to Eddie Vedder. And it's although the me- those... It's the melodies as well. And yeah, like, and the the, music, there's so much like, more. I know, to yeah, it, there is. But the thing is, is that hip hop as an art form, what is good about it, or I've always thought is good about it, is as opposed to dance music, I always found dance music quite repetitive. But I thought the good thing about hip hop was there's somebody there who tells a story in a very, very colourful way, in a really kind of, like, really precise, really clever, you know, and the way that rapper, you know, the way that the rappers that I grew up listening to would their flow and, you know, and the the things that they would say, which would make me go, you know, I remember listening to, um, uh, what was the, the, one of the RZA's albums like that he did, a solo album that he did that my mate had in the 90s, and he said something about some year and then Malcolm X, and I was like, I don't even know what that is. And I went up and read up about it. Right. I was like, oh, fuck. And yeah, when yeah. you hear shit like that, and like when, when you, and they create this whole kind of world, and yeah, often the music will be kind of, you know, the, the music isn't as, uh, the music feels secondary to their flow, their story, their yeah. lyrics, their rhymes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, you know, like that, it, it, that's just a very, very important part of what makes hip hop work. I guess it's almost like, I mean, this has come up before when, when you've given me records like this, but it's, it's like I, 
it's like I need to get into a totally different mind space with when listening to hip hop and not even think it, think of it as, um, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but not even think of it as music and think of it more as like having a story mm. told to me, I guess. But then, but then when I think about that, I'm like, I don't know if that really appeals to me when I've got the Breaking Bad box set, you know, <laughs> <Or something>. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I don't know. I like, well, it's just that, I mean, they're kind of their incom- they're, they're incomparable skills. I yeah, I suppose. I mean, so. you know, and definitely, like, I've found musically, there, there have been, you know, there are loads of hip hop acts that I've listened to over the years where, you know, the the hook and the the beats and stuff are really interesting and, and really cool. But ultimately, like that, those lyrics and that flow is is the thing. Is yeah, the hook yeah, 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 that yeah. is the main thing. I think in correct me if i'm wrong but 99.9 percent of cases yeah. for my personal taste it will always be who fronts it which is the most important thing and that's not always you know you can listen to a band and go ah you know i'm not really keen on shannon hoon's high-pitched voice but mm-hmm. i still really like blind melon's music mm-hmm. don't think you get that so much in hip-hop no. and i think like that's what's that's how comes someone like mike skinner will crumble because musically this is not interesting no you know like musically this isn't a, an interesting record and really like Original pirate material, I think, sounded different and used elements which made his voice sound more interesting, right? Um, and was certainly different for the time. But you know, th- it's never been like, wow, what a kind of you know oral feast the streets are. It's all yeah. very, you know, it's quite sparse. Um, but it's him who does it. Mm. He's he's the you know he's everything to it. Um, I think I just zone out with it though, mm. and and I try, you know, I I try. I mean, I I obviously with all these records, I I put them on and I actually do sit down and listen to them and don't do anything else. But there's just something about, there's something about my brain, which just sort of switches off. I mean, to give you an example, I was listening to this on Spotify and, um, uh, suddenly it started, started talking about Deliveroo and I was like, Deliveroo didn't exist in 2004, did it? And I realized that it was an advert and it took me 27 seconds to realize that it wasn't the next street song, but it was an advert for Deliveroo from rob beckett you know who sounds a little bit like mike skinner (laughs) so you know but i found them to be on the same kind of interesting plane in an audio sense which is quite damning really because all we do with adverts is try and tune them out these days i think yeah (laughs) you're looking at me with disgust no no i but that that's that's my interest levels of this it's well, like mate there's nothing you can do about it like this. yeah that's how you feel that it's like 37 minutes of just kind of white noise it's yeah. sort of there but but anyway it's not a good streets album anyway no <laughs> like, sure you know I mean? sure sure so but uh anyway uh that is um the hardest way to make an easy living it's i, I think it's interesting as in it's one of the most pointed albums in terms of watching an artist with nowhere to go just super quickly as a um as someone who knows more about this than me why can um the likes of 50 cent get away with going look at my bling look at my girls look at my cards because uh, he started by doing that because he started like i that. think okay. that's all he's got so that's the yeah. difference yeah and i mean i don't like that i've never been i'm not interested in that No, i think it's fucking it's boring. Pretty, like you know yeah. it's pretty shit yeah um I, I this is like know, the royal family as in the comedy sitcom version of that almost you know yeah it's like i, I mean yeah it is yeah i think you know 50 cent gets away because the sort of people that like 50 cent uh 
they like to hear that sort of thing. Yeah. And I don't know, certainly in this country, it's probably, it's, it's American, it's in the club and all this sort of thing. It just sounds a bit, it probably sounds quite exotic. N- yeah. Nothing about a street sounds exotic. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Definitely not. So, you know. Anyway, uh, the hard way to make an easy living uh, by the streets is what I've just given you. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> what fine, are you giving man. me next week? Um, I'm going to give you Britney 3 by Britney. Britney Spears? No. <laughs> Britney 3 by Britney 3 by Britney. Yeah. I don't know what that is. No. Okay, fine. You um, wait till you see the cover, mate. We should talk about the cover alone. All right, fine. Yeah. I'm going to give you... Now, I don't know if we have spoken about this before, but I was like, I feel like I'm really hammering you at the moment. I do apologise for it, but I want to give you something, again, which is just mental. So I want to give you Illud Divinum Insanus by Morbid Angel. Have you heard that? Uh, is that the the um, the electronical kind of one? Sort of. It's, I wouldn't say... Industrial I one. Yeah, I mean, again, I wouldn't... I've heard it. It's a, it was a long time ago. Do you want to do that? Um, yeah. Or if you've heard it, it was a it was a long time. I mean, you know, you said you'd heard Boys and Girls in America, but I mean, that's yeah. probably the the equivalent. So yeah, 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 I can do that. That's, okay, that's fine. Um, so I'm getting Britney three by Britney. Mm. Weird. Um, and you're getting Illid Divinum Insanus by Morbid Angel. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait for that. Uh, right, let's talk about Slam Dunk before we go. Um, we went to Slam Dunk at the weekend, Renfrew, you and I. We did. Can we do a little chat about the festival itself first before we go into oh, Band right, by Band? Yeah, sure. So um, I'd just like to do this because I don't feel like many people do this kind of thing, really. Um, we've talked about Slam Dunk in the past and been quite honest about the fact that it isn't really for us in terms of lineup and so on and so forth but i've not really had an opportunity to talk about why i think slam dunk is a bad festival right because if a festival is not for you that's fine but slam dunk is a badly run setless pit of shit (laughs) Um, we're not getting invited back next year are we um and I think, you know, when people talk about like um, atmosphere at a festival and stuff like that, you know, like it being a good space and really, I think they're talking about like having a good time with their friends and being being with people and, and you know, having these moments which happen, which you only get at a festival, you don't get them at gigs and so on and so forth. And I think everything in Slam Dunk doesn't, there's a lot of things at Slam Dunk that don't facilitate that. So... I, you know, I will say brownie points for the new um, site in Hatfield, which, like you said before, makes it feel like a real festival now compared to how it was at the university. But there's a lot of things that, that festivals like Slam Dunk and Reading and Leeds and V Festival, I will walk on site and immediately feel like I'm just kind of a walking wallet. Yeah. Um, and... For me, it just feels like the reason why these festivals are are not very good is because they don't care for the patrons as soon as they get on site. Once they've got your money, they don't really care if there aren't enough toilets, if there are only six people to a bar, which is 20 foot long. Mm. Um, Can I say, just quickly before we go on that, 
Because I was going to say, I think they ran out of beer at six o'clock, didn't they? Did um, they? Yeah. Fucking hell. Um, but apparently, so I've heard, just to give the organisers of Slam Dunk a, a slight due, apparently 40% of the people from an outside company that they employed, I, I heard a rumour, I don't know if this is true, but apparently 40% of them on the day, the bar staff just went, no, we're not coming, from who were employed from an outside company. So if that is true... Oh shit! That's wow. Okay. Not their fault. Okay. Okay. Well, the bars. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Now I feel a little bit bad, but the you should. <laughs> well, I went. I I thought it was worth mentioning though because I went to queue for a beer at one o'clock, so not prime time, and it took me twenty minutes to get a beer. Mm. Um, I spoke to other people who queued, and like some people said, it took them an hour to get a beer and stuff like that. You know, and this is around sort of five o'clock, six o'clock when it's peak time. Um, I mean, if they did have that problem behind the scenes, then then I guess. I mean, that's something that should be looked into, surely. There's something deeply, deeply wrong there. Um, but I've never really got the impression that Slam Dunk is a festival that actually cares about that kind of thing. Um, but unfortunately, it's, it's those boring elements that you have to get right in that infrastructure that you need to get right in order to make a decent festival so that you're not queuing for 40 minutes to get a beer. You're mm. just queuing for three minutes to get a beer and then you can go off and actually be with your friends. Mm. Um, and the times I've been slammed on, I've never ever got that feeling about it at all. Um, and yeah, we haven't, we just haven't really had a uh, chance to say that or express that. And I think that's really important. I think it's something which no one ever talks about. Um, I always find that the best festivals are the ones where the press areas or the, the backstage area is really, really empty because yeah. people actually want to go and ex- explore the festival. Yeah. And pretty much what... How ev- do you know it's empty if, you, if, well, if you're there? Why aren't you watching a bird? Because I was popping back every so often. Uh, well, I was going to... to spy I was, on people. I was, going, <laughs> I was going there to get a beer because was, it was only a five minute queue there, you know, and... <laughs> and <laughs> But, you know, as a patron, like who's paid, I think it's 59 quid, you Mm. know, plus fees. I think that's like... To watch Simple Plan. To watch Simple Plan, yeah. I mean, you know, I think that's a really important thing to point out. And especially when the festival market is so saturated, it's like, you should do better than this. Mm. Like, whatever the problem is, you should be doing better than this. This isn't really good enough. Mm. Um, And most reviews will just sort of talk about the music and so on and so forth. And I think part of the reason is because most of the reviewers who review these things are actually out the back at the backstage area all day anyway, by the looks of it. Um, But, you know, it's just, I think it's, I think with the amount of competition that these festivals have, I think it's kind of startling that festivals can still sort of get away with that really trite shitty infrastructure and way of doing things yeah so yeah and there's the thing there's a lot of competition for festivals these days as well so you wonder how uh there's literally double the amount of festivals in the uk than 10 years ago oh they'll all be wrong because yeah but i mean bar lengths have become fucking insane insanity the lack of phone signals well i was like we are right next to Hatfield train station, station, Mm. which is essentially like, you know, the main, I guess in close to the main part of Hatfield. We are about 10 minute walk outside or just in a, in a field Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. not that Mm -hmm. far away. We're only 20 minutes outside of London and we can't get any fucking phone signal at all. Yeah. That is mental. Again, I don't know whose fault that is or how that's 
become a thing. But I mean, I went down with um, Matt Stocks, who's been on here a few times. He went off to the punk and drublic stage to watch uh, some shy scar band, and I went to watch Knock Loose, and we never saw each other for the rest of the day yeah, because we yeah. just couldn't find each other, couldn't get each other on the phone. Yeah. So I hung out with you. yeah uh yeah um so yeah yeah i mean that's a fair point everything you've said i think it's i just you know i never hear um all i ever hear about slam dunk is oh it's a really good get together and blah 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 from the press and stuff and that's because Mm. they get together go backstage and then just hang out there all day and it's like well yeah great but that's not really giving me much as Mm. as a like punter's point of view yeah which I think is there's there's complaints every single year at Slam Dunk, and yeah, it's never mentioned in the press ever. Right. Well, we'll be the ones to do it, Rim. <laughs> Stand up for the little guy. Uh, we but, are the little guy, to be fair, aren't we? So. Um, but you went to see some bands. Sorry, I did. Yeah, yes. I did go to see some bands. Um, so let's start off with Not Loose. Who I saw, I saw Not Loose. Right now, I haven't been particularly fussed by Not Loose. Um, I think again, they're a band who massively, massively got hyped up. Uh, by the press when they first arrived and i thought they were fine mm-hmm. sort of fine hardcore i wouldn't even put them in the same we talked about the you know the b tier and stuff of hardcore i wouldn't even put them in the same level as cursed earth to be honest i, I was like oh that's good cursed earth is, it, not is lived... it that metal kind of hardcore metallic hardcore yeah it? sort of isn't it? oh is it yeah. okay i thought it was more I thought it was more turnstile which we're going to get onto, or right. higher power or something like that. But yeah, no, okay. not really. It's quite hard. It's quite heavy, hardcore. Okay. Um, but people said to me, you know, like the reason why Not Least been getting so much press is because their live show is fucking unbelievable. Uh, I I don't know if these are people who've never seen a hardcore show before. Oh, but okay. I, I I get I I left Not Least going. That was they are a perfectly acceptable, fine hardcore band. Okay. Who aren't doing anything original. I thought they were going to be smashing the place up, jumping around. They all kind of stood pretty much stock still, banging their heads, and the singer swung his arms about. And they mm. played some quite good songs. They're quite they're they're fairly in, it was fairly enjoyable. Okay. But why they've been picked as a band that people should be going fucking batty for, mm. I have absolutely no idea. If you know, if anyone out there knows what can see can tell me what I'm missing. Yeah, um, let us know. Tweet us. Yeah. Okay. You've got to have heard Converge, though, if you're going to do that. You can't just tweet me and go, they're the best hardcore band ever, and then go, they're also the only hardcore band I've ever heard. So they've got Convergey vibes, but no, but no, not they as haven't. Good. No, no, oh, I'm I, saying, I see, I see, see. Let, please, if you're going to do that, then please have some sort of context for why I they're see. good. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Don't tell me that Municipal Waste are the best thrash band ever, but you've never heard Slayer or Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, yes. Don't do that. Um, then I saw, um, I saw Turnstile as with did you. I. Yes. I've seen, like you, I think, Renfrew, I've seen Turnstile four or five times. On I've only run. seen them twice. Okay, cool. Um, I wasn't mad keen on the the House of Van show because of House of Vans, but I thought mm-hmm. Turnstile were excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Turnstile were excellent again mm-hmm. or at Slam Dunk, although the sound robbed them of quite a lot of the nuances. Uh, I feel like, I again, this is going to be quite a... Um, a telling part of our review. And I think because of that, it was probably my least favorite time watching turnstile that getting said it was great that being said it was good to see them get a huge crowd yeah um, massive crowd massive for, for crowd who, 10 past two yeah who loved it yeah 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 um i think i yeah i would echo all of that i thought they were great um 
when they initially started, I was just like, oh, the sound is so shit. It's so muddy. And I moved around a fair bit just to try and get different spots. And no, it just <clears> wasn't <throat> happening. Um, but I kind of thought that A, those songs are so good. Yeah. And B, their energy is just so fucking brilliant yeah, that yeah, yeah. I... I really enjoyed it despite the sound gremlins, which were quite prevalent for a lot of the day. They really were. Yeah. It was a bit of a shame that, but yeah, I, I, I mean, mean, that feeds into what I started this review with, but yeah. even a sort of bad sound and the worst turnstile show I've seen was still, still really very, good. Very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they were good. We should point out that this was a tented stage as well. Was, so you yeah. don't have the elements to battle against. So there isn't really an excuse. Mm. I then walked off. Who did you see after that? Did you see anyone? Yeah, Cancer Pass was the next one. So. Okay. I saw a little bit of Busted. Did you? Uh, or Y3K. Y3K. Now, I'm not going to go mad about, oh, Busted shouldn't have been there because they're a boy band when all time low are. I, I was going I think Busted is a perfect booking for Slam Dunk considering a lot of the other bands that they have. It's a bit sad. It makes me feel quite sad that people feel like busted is a perfect booking and i can't argue it yeah that does make me go oh god i i caught a little bit of all-time low set on the way out and that they're really not very far removed from busted i don't Mm. think no not that it's a shame that that the world has got to this point i think i mean fair play people like if you're gonna book five next year (laughs) which you you should book five next year because they got a you know slam dunk the funk so they're heavier than five, five are heavier than busted definitely mm. they are mate listen I've, to I've never a would them well you should well, no you shouldn't <laughs> just, listen, just listen to five um, but I really want five the, the campaign for five at Slam Dunk starts here and now who knew that you were a closet five fan there's no closet there's no, there's no never closet a closet mate <laughs> you jump it's right out, out they're the, the best boy band five are the best boy band them and East, I think you get them and East 17 at Slam Dunk be better than simple plan in all time low isn't it Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, I might mean, as well. You've opened the fuck. They've opened the door to it now. They might as well, you know, like if you get in boy bands and you are, and you're, we're saying that that actually fits in, hmm. fuck it. Get like, get five. Fuck it. Get five. That's that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to fucking hammer them to get it. Okay. Who, who's, who would be more expensive? Five or busters these days? Oh, Quite. busted. Yeah. Busted so? play arenas. Five are fucking playing Camber Sands holiday parks. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They're playing Butlins. There's only three of them left. Not oh, even, that's right. Yeah, yeah abs is gone. He's the best one. Uh, <laughs> but I did see a bit of busted, and it made me sad. Like you know, I shouldn't feel sad that loads and loads of people were having a, a really good time. Bar bar was anyway. Um, they were actually playing the year three thousand. I'd forgotten about that song. Um, this well, they what, were billed as Y three K. Yeah, they? I think they're ending with that. I, I don't know. I mean, I left. I only saw that one time. But I was like, oh, this is a song. Mm. And I remembered, you know, we've been to year three thousand. Not much has changed, but we live underwater. And your great 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 daughter is pretty fine. I got problems with that as a song, Renfrey. Have I ever spoken about this before? Isn't this isn't this one of your old routines? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, by all means, to do a routine. Well, I don't do it anymore, so I might as well. Um, Yeah, I do. I used to do a bit of stand-up about that song. Well, do it, mate. No, I don't want to do it. No, you do it. No, so I'm sorry, I shouldn't have pointed that out. Yeah, I know. I've blown it. Edit that out. I can edit it out. Don't edit it out. Um, Well, it just used to. Well, basically. Sorry, I just. just, I was just like, I've seen this before. It's on YouTube as well. Um, Basically. I can't understand how Busted think that submerging 
all of society wouldn't radically alter the way that we live our life. <laughs> yeah. Not much has changed, but we live on the water. That's a massive change. How <laughs> you play? Oh yeah, playing darts is just the same. No, <laughs> it's completely different. And um, yeah, and the, and also do the maths on the great 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 granddaughter. Yeah, that's more pressing. Yeah, especially in the hashtag Me Too. This is the sort of disgusting shit that you are peddling slam dunk. <laughs> is that if you're great, so that's five generations, isn't it? So you're looking at what? Let's be real. Like she has them each kid at like thirty. Let's say thirty. Let's say forty. Let's be really generous. So great great granddaughter. Even if she lives to a hundred, she's gonna be dead in like. 2180 like 20 the year 2200 so you're suggesting so i'm suggesting that busted have gone back gone forward a thousand years and dug up an 800 year old corpse and been aroused by that hey if slayer can sing about it <laughs> then like, why can't like, busted suddenly sounds like a cannibal corpse song doesn't it? <laughs> someone's got i mean someone must have done a death metal cover of why Y3K. Why yeah, the fuck am probably. I doing the lingo? Um, As so, if they're all like, oh, what? They're nice boys, aren't they, Busted? Wanking over 800-year-old <laughs> corpses. Oh, yeah. Nice guys. Underwater as well. I mean, you're saying there's something wrong with that, apparently. I don't know. Anyway, fuck Busted. What an absolute <laughs> shower of shit. What a shit show. What, what, what a sh- I never thought I'd come to see the day. I go to a punk festival. Mm. <laughs> busted. I'm going to a grindcore festival next week. Who's playing? Oh, N-Dubs. <laughs> Whoa. That's, that is a... Whoa, that's taken me back. Wow. Okay. Ridiculous. Anyway. Okay. Uh, so surprise, bats. surprise of the week. Steve didn't like Busted. No. <laughs> cancer Bats. Cancer Bats, yeah. Um, cancer Bats uh, have never played a bad show. We've put, we said this yeah. on the podcast before. It was just before. another great Cancer Bats show. Another great Cancer Bats show. Uh, once again, mid. Uh, do you know what? After Turnstile, I was like, oh, it'll be fine because Cancer Bats will come on. And th- their sound is because it's just like one guitar, one bass. So yeah. it's like it all cut through. Still sounded like shit. It, yeah, it didn't sound great, did it? Wade came on and did uh, a song with him as well, didn't he? Yeah. Um, Wade from like... Gallows and Alexis on Fire. Wade McNeil. Yeah, damn, what song was it? Fuck. That's I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, they, yeah. they, they, I, I like, obviously, like Cancer Bats, and I like that they, they moved the set around. I, I was starting to think that maybe I had a handle on, you know, they'd been ending with Bricks and Mortar yes. a lot yes. over yes. the last few years. And then uh, they didn't. Yeah, so that was, that was good. Well, they um, <laughs> very well put. Steve. Thank well you. done. Um, they've been—they uh, are one of those bands, uh, and I always uh, bring my Pearl Jam comparison in here. Here, I think they do more or less change their set every night, don't they? I don't think they did on the last tour because they had a different drummer, and so they were probably just like, "Oh, we, we just need to give him the same set every week." But I think I, uh, every day. But I think um, Cancerbats changed their set up quite a bit, don't they? Um, yeah, I think they do. Yeah. yeah, they they change it up a lot, but eventually, essentially, you know, they're gonna. They're, there are certain songs they're always gonna play. I think, isn't there? Yeah, like Hell you know, Destroyer. you're always gonna get the big Hell Destroyer and Sabotage, and I don't think they played Rats the other day. Did they? They didn't play Rats. No, no that was no. one of the big ones. Like Road Sick, they're always gonna play that, aren't they? There's a bunch. They've got to the point now where you think, well, they can't not play that. But they ended with. Um, Gatekeeper. Uh, gatekeeper. I was. Gonna, I need to say grave digger. Yeah, gatekeeper. Uh, I'm still thinking about busted. Um, grave digger. Uh, <laughs> and but yeah, gatekeeper. And that was. It was huge, wasn't it? Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Cancer bats were brilliant as always. Amazing energy. Do you know the one thing which made me slightly sad? Um, I do appreciate that their cover of Sabotage is amazing, mm-hmm. but it did. 
Cancer Bats had a great reaction, but when they played Sabotage, everyone woke up. And I'm like, if this is all you come to see with this band, you are missing out on so Oh, yeah, loads. But it is a banger, isn't it? It, oh, it's brilliant. I like, I, I'm, I'm not dissing the cover. I'm dissing the slam dunk clientele. Because <laughs> I'm a cunt. Mm. Let's go. <laughs> uh, I also saw Employed to Serve, who I thought was sensational and probably my favourite band of the day. Oh, excellent. Um, just about. Maybe not actually. But they were great. They were on a different stage. I saw a little bit of Pagan just before they came on, actually. and I saw a teeny weeny bit of Pagan and I thought they were sounded fantastic. Yeah, um, they sounded really good. Uh, I was a bit bit annoyed that there wasn't a bigger crowd in there for them. I only yeah, saw a couple. Tiny, I had missed a little bit of it, so I only saw the last couple of songs. But I thought they were they were they were much better than they were at the Old Blue last. Ah, I saw the first couple, so yeah, I thought they sounded amazing. I was kind of I bumped into a friend of mine, um, shout out MPG, uh, outside the tent whilst Pagan were playing. So I was just talking to him a bit out, outside, and um, he <laughs> like they kept playing, and about thirty seconds later, he was like, "Is this still the same band?" Because they were just going through so many different kind of like mm. black metal bit and the bit that sounds a bit pop punky. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, they're really good. Like this mental pop punk meets black metal kind of thing. Um, but yeah, Pagan sounded great. And I agree, I think they were better than the Obly Lost. Yeah, yeah. What I, I saw. Um, Employed to Serve were brilliant. Excellent. Um, I missed the Bronx because I went to watch Employed to Serve. Ah. And I thought, I'm going to do that because I've seen the Bronx so many times and I'm going to support Employed to Serve who just released his excellent album. And even though I saw him last week, I'm going to go and see them again. Um, and then someone pointed out to me as I was watching them that you probably should have seen the Bronx because you go and see Bring Me Horizon and they're supporting Bring Me Horizon. Yes. Friday. So cheers. Uh, that was silly of me. That was silly of me. Not silly of me to silly of me to miss the Bronx. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not silly of me to watch Employed to Serve, who I thought were fucking excellent. And oh, good. Again, those so again, not a massive crowd, but then it's not really their normal yeah, territory. Yeah. Uh, I heard songs, they went down a storm with the people yeah, who were there, though. Yeah, they were great. Brilliant. really really great and again you know like we had half an hour of of stuff and at, at this point those two the two yeah. albums that they have yeah taking the best half an hour from those two albums is just it did not dip for a second fantastic mm. okay really really good uh i did make the decision to see the bronx um i usually in this sort of situation i usually go uh, english band versus american band i'm gonna see english band more often mm. so it's as simple as that yeah. uh the bronx do on. what nigel farage would do that's your <laughs> mantra isn't it I'm free. what go and see the foreigners no. <laughs> um uh, the, uh the, again the bronx are never bad they the worst show the bronx have ever played is an eight out of ten i would imagine um that bad no, probably not. I mean, I they, they are just fucking... Eight. <laughs> they are fucking excellent. Um, and this was the first point in the day where the sound on that stage, the Empirical stage, actually sounded decent. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the Bronx just came out and did what they do, really. Um, which is just bring amazing party vibes. Matt Cotteran is like one of the best frontmen in the world. Mm. Um, they started with like the Unholy Hand um, and third song was shitty future oh, yes please cute. heart attack american uh side effects knife man history stranglers yes i mean it was just brilliant uh the only thing wrong with their set is they weren't playing uh, all day <laughs> that's <laughs> what i would have preferred yeah, yeah i would have liked them to play a 60 song set yeah that would have been good. always brilliant every, every song twice yeah their entire back catalog yes yeah, yeah. and then and then fuck it. An encore. Encore of Mariachi Old Bronx as well. That would yeah. have been fucking brilliant. In fact, just forget Slam Dunk. Just call it the Bronx Fest. Bronx That yes. would have been great. Um, I did see a little tiny, tiny weeny bit of Saves of the Day. 
Oh, yes. Yeah, so which, mis- which was a mistake. Stay Who You Are is a, r- a really, really good album. Yeah. And uh, and I'd never seen Stay- Save the Day before, so I went over to see the last bit of their set, and they sounded fucking terrible. And they looked drunk as well. <laughs> so, really? Yeah. So, um, shame that. Uh, that is a shame. Yeah. Um, and I kind of waited around, and I saw a bit of the Get Up Kids as well. And the Get Up Kids were good, quite good. Um, I'm, I haven't seen the Get Up Kids, kids for years. and um, They were a lot thinner the last time I saw them. They should be called the Eat Up Kids now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jesus. And, uh, There's a job going for you at the sun. You thank know. you. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, they were good. They seem to have, they, they've got a lot of, for one of those bands, you think of those kind of quite emo-y bands, um, usually you think they kind of, stock still looking at the floor um quite serious and a little bit dour get up kids are loads of fun like yeah. proper actual fun and um they look like they're really enjoying each other's company they kind of joke about on stage it was it was decent again the sound oh, was good. poo but it was quite mm. decent um i've seen get up kids sometimes where they look like they're having a bloody miserable time which really, considering yeah. the sorts of songs they play yeah does put a bit of a dampener on yeah, it so yeah. that's good to hear that they appeared to be having a good time um yeah uh, i've also forgot that i saw the interrupters as well oh right okay it was raining and i was really it's not the right vibe for it i was really mm. annoyed <laughs> but but they're fucking great like mm. they're so good i mean if you like rancid like me um they're the kind of best alternative to it at the moment mm. i thought they were fucking wicked uh, they i just were on... wish it wasn't raining and i had had more drink because that is the time outdoors in the sun with a beer would have been just perfect. But actually, we had rain and an empty. Paper there, was, there, cup. Was, there was a bar just there. It only takes yeah. 40 minutes to get to the yeah, bar, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, so I didn't see, I was planning to see a few things on that punk and droplic stage, but um, every time I went anywhere near it, I just thought the sound was so atrocious. Yeah, I just didn't great. bother seeing anything. Yeah, it wasn't great. Because I mean, the interrupters didn't sound great, to be fair. Yeah. They just had a fuckload of energy. And they've got really good songs. And you can yeah. just about tell what song it was. Do you know um, what did have good sound? The main stage. That was annoying because there was nothing good on the main stage. Yeah. Pain. Say good sound. Um, <laughs> uh, so, Objectively speaking. Yeah. I, um, so did you see Gallows after that? I, I did. Thought, so let's, let's talk about Gallows. Um, oh, this is when uh, Story of the Year happened, wasn't it? Yeah. We came in to get in early for Gallows to see the whole thing. And story of the year, we're doing a cover of "It's Not I'm Not Okay." Yeah, by the My Chemical Romance. The My Chemical. The My Chemical Romance. The My Chemical Romance. Fronted by the guy from Atreyu. That's and yeah, I still right. had quite a good day. So, <laughs> I think when you are putting something that painfully bad <laughs> on your stage, there's just no way that it can be good. But Jesus, um, yeah, that was awful, wasn't it? Everything about that was, was just dreadful. The and crowd then, fucking loved it. Yeah, and then he did The Taste of Ink by The Used. Yeah. And he butchered it. Yeah. Absolutely butchered it. It was terrible. Yeah. Really bad. Yeah. They're not a bad band. Story of the Year and um, Story of... What was the other one? Story of the Day? Story of the Year? <laughs> story so far. What's the difference between them? I don't know. Probably not. Just the name. Um <laughs> Anyway, all the songs were the same. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, then Gallows came on. Uh, now, I think we need to talk about Gallows. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Because I think 
I went back and listened to Orchestra of Wolves after the festival. And I was like, fucking hell, this album is fucking amazing. And I was looking while I was listening to it. I was also looking at the track listing for Great Britain. I was like, oh my God. And you forget just how fucking exciting, incendiary Gallows were. Like, what a band that they were when they had th those two albums came out. And now, when Frank left and Wade came in and they continued, they released two very good records. I think Desolation Desolation Rose Sounds. And, uh, Desolation Sounds. I do that every time. Yeah. Desol I think Desolation Sounds is fucking brilliant. Yeah. And the self-title's very, very, very self good. Self-title's good, but yeah. I think you're right. Desolation Sounds yeah. is fucking wicked yeah. that is a wicked wicked album i think don't berate me for this i think i prefer desolation sounds to orchestra of walls okay well that's mental but um, <laughs> but no actually i mean maybe it's not it's just very it's very they're different. very different very very they're different. remarkably different um and then gallows went away for five years four years uh and we didn't really hear anything from them we didn't really know what was going on and they were all busy with various they other were all busy things. With various other things, and I did think to myself, maybe we've seen the last of Gallows, and maybe they're just going to split up, and that will be the end of that. But because what we got towards the end, when Desolation Sounds was sort of running out of its touring cycle, was Gallows without the Carters. You think, you know? Yeah. I wonder how much more. Cause it wasn't that packed the tent. You wonder how much more. It was it, very empty. You for... wonder how much more excitement it would get with the Carters in. I mean Frank and Steph Cut. I don't mean Jay-Z and Beyonce, by the way. Um, <laughs> although I would watch that. Well, I do, just to interject very briefly, I was like, really excited about Gallows coming back. I did question whether Slam Dunk was the place for them to come back after four or five years. Yeah. You know, was that the ideal scenario? I don't know where is the ideal scenario these days. Two thousand trees. To, to, to be honest, and this isn't a very satisfying answer, but what would most excite me as a Gallows fan is them doing like a really, really, really intimate like week long tour where you see them in tiny, 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 tiny places again, like like pubs and stuff, which would have been like seeing them back in 2006. Yeah, I, kind of I thing. think you've got to be we've got to be realistic about the reasons for them getting back together and, and how they can get back together. Gallows coming back like as they left you suddenly you you remember what they were i think i did anyway i was like oh do you, especially because you know the last time i saw them i think they played one song from the frank carter albums everything was the way era stuff yeah and it was almost like they were going we're not doing that's gone and they came back and they did kind of the opposite and they played loads of stuff yeah from well, they started with misery yeah, which, you know, I have seen them do a whole bunch of times. Um, sound was not good initially. No, and no. I did look at it. I looked at the empty tent. I looked at a bad sound. I looked at kind of three, you know, kind of three fifths of the original lineup of Gallows. And I did think to myself, I wonder if this would have been better off left. <laughs> because it's one thing, to, sorry to just mm. jump, yeah. carry on. But because it's one thing to just to carry on. Mm. But when you stop and you give it a sort of four-year break, mm. people's minds tick back to, oh, Gallows are back. And they don't think, oh, the Desolation Sounds era Gallows are back. They think, oh, Gallows are back. Mm. And mm. most people's mind ticks, goes from Great Britain. Great Britain. Um, I didn't feel like that by the end. I thought they were good. 
I, I will say I really enjoyed their set and it was really yeah. nice to see them again, but there certainly wasn't this. I never felt. It's probably the least excited I've ever been seeing Gallows. Um, and I almost wonder if it would have been wiser to come back with a fifth record ready to go, maybe, or if the, if they were going to do it at all. Or um, because I think let's like they were still giving it loads of it. Like Lags was jumping all over the place. Wade was in yeah. the crowd loads, you know. Um, I mean, one thing I did notice is like uh, Liam again, the like exchange, exchanging vocalist thing. Yeah. Liam came on and um, did one of the songs with them. And Liam's well, M, vocal M from uh, Nervous came out. For yeah, the, yeah, uh, loads of people. Yeah, loads of there. people came out for Orchestra of Wars right at the end. And but I felt like Liam's vocal. He just took like a backing mic, and it uh, it was Stu's mic, wasn't it? And and his vocal sounded so much more powerful than Wade's. Um, I mean, they had been playing a show in Leeds at two a.m. the previous, mm. well, that morning, I suppose. So I don't know, maybe that's forgivable. But like, it did feel. I don't know. It just. It was like seeing someone you loved giving it everything and yet it still didn't quite connect. And I don't know if it was, you know, the tent being half empty or like, it just didn't feel like the comeback that it should have been. That's true, yeah. It, it didn't. didn't feel like the comeback they deserve. Because I do feel like I can't really fault what they were doing. It's just when, it's just the gap, isn't it? And like I yeah. say, you go, I mean, you know, to my original point before we started talking about future Alexis on fire material was that how much can they commit to being gallows yeah i don't know like how much i don't know what the intention of it is yeah i'm yeah. not sure why they're back i'm not Other i mean than it might just be we fancy doing some shows for a bit of fun cool that's fine yeah um but you know uh there is you 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 have a kind of uh, yeah, fuck it you have a leg there is a legacy behind that band mm. and i think it would be if, if they don't want to live up to it and if they want to continue or whatever and that sounds harsh to go you're not living up to your legacy or you you, you know and they're not di you know they're not di they're not going to dilute their legacy by doing a fucking slam dunk show but it no, just feels like there was a point i was with alan day who um works at kilimanjaro who mm. used to book sonosphere he said to me, we were stood there, and he said to me, if Frank Carter hadn't left Gallows, they'd be as big as Slipknot now. And while I doubt that's true, um, mm. I think he's, when you look at where Frank Carter is, mm. yeah, I think you've got better songwriters yep. uh, in Gallows yep. than like, Dean, Dean, the guitarist in Frank's band is fucking excellent. Yep. But as a unit, cohesively, what they had, I, I still I think there's mu there's more potential. If you look at look at what Grey Britain is, they did it on their second go, compared to you know what Frank's done this third go. I still think that for all of them, that album is that album is the pinnacle for all of them. Um, so I don't mm. know. It feels sort of like vague. It always feels kind of vaguely unsatisfactory. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's very. I think it's very difficult to compare Frank Carr and the Rattlesnakes with Gallows, which seems like a silly thing to say, but he's doing something so different. He's, now. Yeah, he's doing something so different now. Of course he is, but I mean, Bob I think him. if you listen to the 
you know, if you listen to Lag's other bands, I think like yeah. he's not. He never tries. He's, he's not like he just writes fucking punk rock. Songs. No, no. Well, I'm. You know, I'm. I feel at this stage, I'm more interested in Gold Key and um, oh fucking, what's this band with Daniel P and um, Crocodile? Crocodile. You know, Crocodile. Well, I suppose it's pronounced. I'm more in. I'm more interested in those projects at the moment than i am in a gallows record if gallows record want to do a fifth if gallows want to do a fifth record together i'm definitely intrigued about it and i'd like to hear it undoubtedly but i'd actually rather have a second album from gold key and crocodile personally mm. i oh, still and, like and, it I, I would still like a gallows album i mean I'm, i don't even think i'm saying that like i want them to get back together with frank or anything like that you know like, i mean i would be massively excited at the idea of that but I still think they can make a really, really, really good Gallows record. I just, you know, like, it's one of those things. It's not going to be. We're not going to get a Caius reunion. Yeah, yeah, Do you know yeah, what I mean? We're not yeah. going to get a Caius reunion. Um, there are some bands that just probably aren't going to get back together. And it might be for the best. You never know. It might be for the best. Probably I just will. look at those people doing the things they're doing. There are some bands you look at and you go, oh, yeah, that wouldn't work. Mm. Like, if they got yeah. back together, everyone's clambering after, you know. Like I always looked at the Stone Roses and I went, that won't be good. If they get back together, that won't be good. And I sort of, um, you know, I only had to <laughs> see a couple of clips on YouTube to go, yeah, it's not really very good. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, mm-hmm. there might be people who've seen the Stone Roses who were like, no, no, it was brilliant. But it's usually the nostalgia. I though, don't it? think the Stone Roses come back as been musically good yeah (laughs) put it that way there's a lot of people when these bands finally come back that you're not expecting to come back they're Mm. just so excited by the prospect that they're going to see them that they will yeah that they will go this is amazing and i my mind will not let me yeah say that it's anything but amazing yeah 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 but you know you you could have like i would look i looked at stone roses and i went if they get back together it will be crap um Mm. and I think it was. And but I don't look at you know, I don't look at Caius or or Gallows and think, well, if they got back together it would be crap. I think it would be great. You look at what they're doing, look at what they're doing. It, you know, Gallows always released good albums, Frank Carter's released some good albums. If they sorted it out, it would it could be fucking amazing. I just don't think they ever will. Which is it feels like a bit of a shitty thing to be talking about when they're obviously I'm not sure if you know what I, I'm going to be honest I don't think I do want Frank I wouldn't want Frank Carter to go back because I, I don't think any of them want that and therefore he's bigger now than he's, he's bigger now than he exactly. was in. I mean it's, it's a Josh Homme thing isn't it in yeah. Queens of Stone Age I I think I like I do like Caius more than I like Queens of Stone Age but he ain't yeah. going to go back and do it because no. why would he why would he go to a smaller band yeah 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 exactly so, so. exactly and I, I you know I mean I, I still think that new frank carter record is brilliant and um and and the last gallows record as we just said was fantastic and it was only five or six years ago there's no reason why they can't pull another great record out of the bag i'm just not sure if coming back in this manner was the best thing to do the best way to do it anyway uh that was gallows um i then thought the last little bit of touche more i thought were fucking brilliant yeah they were they potentially were the best band of the day, even though I only saw fifteen minutes of it. Uh, they were really, really on it, like full of energy. It was one of the rare times where that Dicky, the sound on that Dicky stage was all over the shop, but really it actually kind of suited Touche because it just made it all rawer. Everything kind of span out, and it was raw as fuck. And yeah, it was really yeah. They, they were great. I mean, they didn't play much off of. I only saw them play one song off stage four, which is the album that I'm really oh really deeply, deeply connected to. That's a bit of a surprise. Well, I missed most of the set. 
that's true. They probably started with a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. they ended with um uh with uh they did one of the songs from that um that split that they put out with who did they do a split with recently? They said it on stage. He did a split with fuck. They split EP with someone. I don't know. Sorry. I can't remember it is. It doesn't matter. Anyway, they did one of those songs. It was good. Like uh, and they were excellent. Jeremy's fucking brilliant. His voice sounded yeah. really, really good. And um yeah, they were they were really, really good. Um I then uh, I only saw one more band really after that. Oh, I say that. I walked past Newfound Glory, uh, as I said earlier. And I, I was walking by. I didn't know who was playing. I wasn't really paying attention to the main stage. And I was like, someone's covering um, My Friends Over You by Newfound Glory. <laughs> and they are butchering the shit out of it. Like, what are they doing? And I looked up and it was Newfound Glory. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you can't even play your... You can't even sound like a bad version of yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> okay what a fucking load of tripe i didn't i didn't catch them at all i'm afraid uh, it was fucking embarrassing <laughs> probably the most embarrassing thing the most embarrassing band of all the bands i saw throughout the whole thing the the, the thing that i was like oh my god you are you you are an embarrassment to your wow. yourself as a band was newfound glory it was like unrecognizable from the song that's a shame i have i have some i think newfound glory are okay yeah, I've got a lot of yeah. mates who like him. I've never been into him, but like I can see that they are they are actually doing something vaguely interesting. Yeah. Quite like Chad Gilbert as well. Yeah. But I don't ever want to listen to one of their albums. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mm. Uh who was the last band you saw? I saw the Menzingers. Ah, okay. Uh who, do you want me to do Glassjaw first or do you want to do Menzingers? You so you saw Glassjaw and you yeah. saw Nerf X, right? No, I didn't in the end because the sound was so awful. I was like, I don't want to bother. The sound was really bad for Menzingers as well. Was it? But it was a, such a, a joyous atmosphere. Good. Uh, that it was lovely. It was and the first time you'd seen them, wasn't it? It was the first time I'd seen and them. And how did you feel about it? I that? thought they were really good. I didn't expect them to look like that for some reason. I didn't oh. expect the little short one with a bald head to be doing that. That's I didn't Tom. know who sung what bits. So yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it was, there's not a lot to say about it really. It was very, very no frills. Um, the sound again was not really great, but I think um, it was sort of lucky the sound was not very even but that stage felt quite lucky because normally you know guitars are muddy and vocals are muddy whereas on this uh on that stage guitars were way too loud and vocals were way too loud and you couldn't really hear anything else but when you got a band like the mending it almost just sounds like they're doing a kind of acoustic show that's fuzzed up yeah um so that's why i think they they worked right it wasn't a great sound but um this the, the their songs are brilliant and yeah. They've got a real um, more than maybe more than any band I saw throughout the whole day. They seem to have a real connection with each other on stage. Oh, great, cool! Between those two guys doing those two vocals, yeah, sorry, I don't even know their names, but the Tom two, and Greg, Tom and Greg, who do the two vocals, just felt really brilliantly interconnected with one another, and I thought that was really excellent. And they picked a really cool set as well. There's a, a few stuff, you know, like a bunch of stuff that I didn't really know. I've not really gone mad onto their back catalogue, but you know, all the after the party stuff, I fucking love. So yeah, great. Glassjaw. Um. So by the time just before Glassjaw came on, I was feeling quite despondent at this point. I'd kind of had a, you know, I'd had an all right day punctuated with lots of annoying bits and pieces um and uh i was sort of slightly frustrated with the fact that the majority of the bands had seen had rubbish sounds and i was like oh god glass glass has a very uh, tricky sound to get right live mm-hmm. so i was like well it's probably not going to sound very good and i what like there was an element of me which to be honest at this point and it was only uh 
god like half past eight i was like i just sort of want to go home now yeah slam dunk hey um i so i was just a bit kind of like oh i'm a bit fed up at this point and then Glassjaw came on and I don't know if it's just my inability to ever criticise this band, but I just became probably. a teenager again. <laughs> Although, well, you say probably. I mean, I have seen Glassjaw in the past and thought that was that was terrible. You know, I saw them in Portsmouth around 2006 or something like that. And it just felt like they just couldn't be bothered at all. I think Glassjaw are just such an unconventional post-hardcore bands in what they do um i the, the the set they played you know sometimes they turn up at festivals and then just like play b-sides basically and stuff like that yeah they so they started with cut and run from the new new album and then went into tip your bartender into you think you're john fucking lennon into pink roses into jesus glue into mu empire i mean it was chock full of mainly worship and tribute stuff it was absolutely amazing gillette cavalcade of sports ape dos mill oh. uh new white extremity into mm. shira oh. and then they finished with siberian kiss oh. which made which is one of my gig moments of the year um i was just in a circle of wonderful people who were just all absolutely loving it and just it was it i really had an amazing time during last year and i thought they were great as well they came out with this set which was just absolutely phenomenal and they barely paused in between songs they structured the set so that every song ran into each other because daryl doesn't want to talk to anyone well <laughs> he, he, ba- he, he barely said anything uh, he barely said anything it's just like just before um siberian cared kiss he was like good night thank you kind of yeah. thing um but that approach of just like just get in there and just wallop people with some of the best material you've ever written yeah it just worked perfectly and it was almost an hour of pure perfection in my eyes i just absolutely loved it and the sound was actually pretty good um against all the odds i am sad to say and i suppose this is more a reflection on the festival than the band obviously probably despite them headlining that stage probably i think they had less people watching them than gallows had i think it was the sparsest uh set on that stage that i saw um that day even though for my money easily the best band on the entire bill right um but um Mm. yeah i i i I, you know i know we had different opinions about the arc tangent set and stuff like that but it just felt like the arc tangent set set with all of the fat trimmed and played for me and a few mates (laughs) because because it wasn't like sometimes there's people not around you and it just feels like there's no atmosphere everyone around me was just adoring it you know so it felt fucking amazing i loved it and i am i am aware that like i do struggle to dislike that band at any point or time they are they are one of those bands for me where yeah. i am just gonna go i just fucking love them but i, mean, I, mate, I love them brilliant. i just brilliant 
Yeah, I just like every time I see them, they crack. But for me, oh. it was by far. But they are, and you know, like I, I long for the day I get to see a great glass jaw shark. Yeah, yeah. You have seen them be good, haven't oh, you? Oh, mate, right? the old blue last a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. Was fucking yeah. stunning. Oh, God, I mean, that was just something else, man. Yeah, that was so yeah. great. But yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, um, see you next year. Is it Slam Dunk? we'll see I mean if they bring Glassjaw back maybe I don't think they're going to do that <laughs> <laughs> like, bands rarely play festivals tears on a trot yes. and if they headline a stage and no one watches them uh, they we'll see very very rarely get booked again I'm going to be sending this to Slam Dunk though and I do hope I'm I'm curious to see if there'll be any sort of response or not because my my um, my I suspect that they don't care enough to respond well, Renfrey, I don't know if you've noticed this, um, and you probably should, but the, no one in the music industry likes being told, I include myself in this, likes being told that what they're doing isn't great. <laughs> like, nobody likes that. There is not That's a single true. person capable of hearing that that they're not the best thing I've only just, in the whole I think I've only just realised this. Um, it is, it's true. Yeah. And I include myself in that. <laughs> <laughs> And you should too. Uh, but every single person in the music industry just wants to be told over and over again that what that they're, they're doing is as good as the Beatles. Yeah. And if you yeah. say it's not, you're not quite as good as the Beatles, that is then taken as a kind of a spit in the face and a front to your artistic credibility, your sure. professionalism and everything. So I imagine I know yeah, sort of fairly what the response will be. <laughs> They have asked for um yeah. they've asked for our for our uh, coverage yeah. and yeah I will be sending it to them so yeah. we'll see. But yeah they've got do... plenty of I'm sure they've got plenty of YouTube people who will say it was the greatest day ever. I yeah. saw some of Rock Sounds coverage of it and they had a good time. So, you know I mean, yeah, they they're were throwing, they're in the backstage area all the yeah, time. Throwing, <laughs> throwing basketballs with all time low. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. <laughs> Great. That's what we all wanted to be doing wasn't yeah. it? um anyway thanks for letting us come slam duncan um sorry <laughs> but some of it was good do you know what i mean like the fact the actual bill all this shit could be rectified because the bill's really good we've, uh, we've said on the on our festival preview the best bill slam dunk i've ever had and i think that's still probably the case mm, definitely um yeah i think i watched more stuff this year than i've ever watched at slam yeah. dunk before yeah. i was really into uh okay cool well, we're gonna go We've been talking for far too long. Um, <laughs> let's get the fuck out of town. Next week, we're going to be talking about Perry Farrell, Plague Vendor, Pelican, Pelican amongst others. Go to musicism.net. Put Riot in capital letters in the checkout. You get 25% off your courses. We shall see you next week. I'll also be going to Bring Me the Horizon. Um, uh, I'm going to see St. Pierre Snake Invasion and Alexis on Fire. Shall I review Shapes in Blackpool as well? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see you, mates. <laughs>